If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Howdy, everyone. It's a completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, September 15th, the last week of summer, 2020. Alongside Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Country. We didn't get a first week of summer. We got no summer. We got ass blasted this, this year with summer. On the show today, we'll be talking about talking about Charles Broccoli not being in 2K. Uh, talking about Scott Pilgrim. Oh, getting re-released. Oh. Uh, another Nintendo leak of unreleased Game Boy games. Uh, Heritage Auctions wackiness. Oh, boy. Uh, Super Mario 35th Anniversary, a Patreon poll topic. First, Ian, you're proud of this, I know. Not for resale. Not only is it back, on, back in stock, the video game store documentary, you can now watch it or purchase it on iTunes, Google Play Store, or the Microsoft Store. We're trying to get it on the Sony uh, PlayStation Store. See if that goes through. So check it out. I know you want to. We got wares for sale at ultimatenintendo.com. On top of that, we have the limited shirt. We got the RBI baseball stickers, the CU podcast, enamel pin, and more. Right, Ian? And more. And more. We're halfway Is there th- more? We're halfway through the enamel pins at this point. So that's good. Nice. We're halfway through the batch. <laughs> so get yours now. Get yours now. What did you do this weekend, Ian? What did I do this weekend? I worked... I worked. It was uh, it was fine. It was fine work. Our power <laughs> didn't go out this weekend, so that well, well, it was cooler. Yeah, it's it cooled was cooler. Down. No power outages. People were reasonably nice and decent. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I did. I played Tony Hawk one and two. I know some people were asking about my thoughts on that online. Um, the Tony Hawk one and two remake is a lot of fun. The more I play it, the more I like it. Uh, which is odd. Uh, I think these days for a game, usually I start off real hot on a game and then I cool off. Um, I've actually been more interested in playing it and getting a little bit better at it. Um, really it's just a, a genius game design and, um, it holds up. I know you don't like talking about games that age poorly, but uh, if you want to talk about a game that aged very well, I think the original Tony Hawk games um, did did just that. I don't know what that means, but okay. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they hold up super, super well. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to go back and play. Uh, but, yeah, that was pretty much my weekend. Well, that's good. Uh, no, no cooking? Some tasty s- substances? Uh, no, although Vonnie made sugar cookies last night, and there's a small bag of them on the counter. For Woo! Me. Thank you. Packets food. I mm. put them there. Mm-hmm. So. I, I, um, I played some Doom 64, Ian. Finally played Doom 64 for an upcoming certain bu- uh, guidebook. Um, and uh, overall, I enjoyed it. 
it took something out of me. It was longer than I expected because of, of uh, there was like, I'd say three spots that were troublesome where um, I had to go online and look at the walkthrough so I wouldn't be there forever. It's just a um, long game to begin with. It's like 25 or 35 levels, I think. It's 25 that you have to play and there's like three secret levels, something That's like it, that. Yeah. So the secret levels you have to get to in order to get the uh, the unmaker uh the, the laser, basically the laser weapon, laser, and I found the first one. I don't know how, because uh, some of those I, I, look, I looked at a long play of a couple of them. Like you really would never get the secret area. Like you have to like jump into like a wall, you know, and then go through it in order to get to one. But I got to the first one. Um, then my save file got corrupted, so then I had to do a password to get back to like uh, stage seventeen. So um, more more in the, in the book about my my thoughts. But no, it was it was overall it's a it's a I mean, you call it a port of Doom, but it's technically like the, the third game. It's um, it's it's not a port at all. It's yeah, very so much it's its own game. Thing. It's its own game. It's, it, according to the story, it's, it's it takes place after Doom Two: Hell on Earth, and uh, all the sprites are redone. Obviously, if everyone knows that the enemy sprites, the, the imp sprite is fantastic. When I first saw it, I was like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, they totally redid the imp, and now it's a super imp. There's two different imps. Uh, all the other uh, enemies are the same. There's not a few enemies that are in Doom Two. There's no elemental, and there's no. Um, the uh, arachnid chain gunner is not in the game. Uh, neither is the uh, cyber demon chain gunner. Uh, was it cyber demon chain gunner? Whatever the chain no. other, whatever the other chain gunner boss was, they're not in the game. Um, but all the other uh, enemies are creatures, and um, no stupid, uh, no stupid swimming or anything like that underwater uh, garbage uh, yet to worry about. Uh, I I always hated that in Doom. Like that's my least favorite part of any of them was that. Um, and yeah, the weapons are great. They redid all the weapons. The sounds are fantastic. They put recoil on a few of the weapons, like the shotgun and the rocket launcher. Just a little bit of shakiness when you go back. Yep. It's like it's so it adds so much. You're like, well, why didn't the PC do that? Like it just adds so much to the experience to think of that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's fun. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm glad I finally played it. And uh, yeah, it does it does long run a, run a, a little bit long. There's a couple of puzzles, not to give away too much, but there's there's one where you not only have to get the keys, the three different keys, and at almost every stage, that's the other thing, almost every stage requires all three keys. from the store. They don't let you go easy. Oh, just one key? No, almost every stage is all three no, keys. No, yeah, it's... It's, it's, um, um, it's a little ro- more robust, uh, the, the, the pack on the time there. But there's one part, it's one of the few last stages, spoilers, cover your ears, 22-year-old game. Um, there's parts where there's, you have to unlock a gate, um, and you have to get all three keys, and they give you three switches somewhere else to do it. Um, it's like okay, I just got to hit red, red, yellow, and blue. But no, you got to do it in a specific order. Yep. And I was like, what? I didn't realize that till like after the fifth trial. I was like, oh, look at the order on on the wall. You do that twice. Um, that was the only thing that was semi annoying. The only thing that really annoyed me about the game is they did they did something that was a cardinal sin to me. Is that they they pulled something out of their ass that was not in the first three quarters of the game, and that was sh- shooting a switch mm-hmm. instead of clicking on something like there's two literally two parts of the game at least i a third where you're like what what i can't do anything and it's not just one switch though there's like a wall of them of this symbol and you just shoot the last one i would never have guessed it that's one of the things that i look up it's like what the where the fuck is the switch so i just hate things like that that elongate the time to go through a game uh where there's no way to figure that out to intuit that unless you get desperate and start blasting things there's just no way to have known you have to shoot the switch because it doesn't appear in the game before that so those little quibbles aside, it's it's a good game, really good game, and um, like I said, and, and the and the uh, the ambient music is fantastic. It does have the rocking things, but it's actually scary. 
No, I, I saw scary the, music. I seem to remember the um, soundtrack being pretty good, and the, uh, the boss, the final boss, is a is a whole new enemy. If I'm yes. not mistaken, if I remember correctly, the last stage is nuts. Yeah, um, and almost burnt my graphics card trying to emulate it properly because I'm using the Angry Lion plugin. I'm go- I'm going for the you know how it looked on the N64 uh, in, in my screenshots, and there's literally 70 enemies. Like, yeah, it's, all, it's all wild because because you need to get these keys. If you don't get the keys, which are secret as well, the three master keys to shut the portals, the enemies just keep coming out of these gates. Not not um, unlimited, but they keep coming out. Um, and you literally just have to circle straight for like three minutes. Just circle straight around and just fire all the ammo they have, which they give you before that stage. They, they re-give you all the weapons. You know, to, and yeah, the last enemy is tough uh, because he, he throws... Um, uh, heat heat seeking uh, mi- uh, missiles at you or rockets at you and they're yeah, really that's what tough I to remember avoid is that um, those are nearly impossible to get you have to like of. get behind something like but they can still like swing around it's it was tough and if you have the unmaker the triple laser unmaker it, it's easier but i only had the single one um so i was kind of like okay that took a while to get past that part but uh, but it held up the graphics card. It didn't it didn't blow out because that's the only thing with the N64 emulation is that it's so heavy on the resources. If, if you go for the lower level, that when you get a ton of things on the screen, you might get it might slow up. I'm, I'm assuming an N64 slowed up at that point as well. It might have. I absolutely well, remember it when there's like running forty guys ideally, on the screen. Yes. Yeah, there's also one stage where there's like a lot of mountainous stuff. It's at the last fourth or fifth level there's a lot of mountainous area there's just a lot of textures on the screen at once and that gave it issues as well there was just a lot uh, going on there but no uh you know so look forward a year and a half from now to, to reading my review of that i guess uh check out uh console wars is coming out september 23rd and cbs all access i'm gonna get uh i'm gonna get an early screener to it my pal blake harris's documentary based upon the book that's on CBS All Access. I only know a couple people that have CBS All Access for, for Twilight Zone and for Star Trek. So um, I, I, if you don't have that, I'm not sure what to tell you, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. But I'm sure it'll be for, for rental or sale after that as well, after, the, after that period's uh, over. I'm just, I'm just glad that it's finally coming out because obviously Blake's been working on the documentary for like uh, two years at least. Uh, before the book, and then the, um, the the narrative version, I believe, is still in the works. The uh, the, the more docudrama version is still uh, being produced there. So, are you happy about Ninja being back on Twitch? I'm very happy. I'm very happy about Ninja, of course, being back on Twitch. Uh, There's nothing I love more than Ninja News uh, (laughs) and and news about Fortnite. Uh, It's our number one cash cow talking about um, (laughs) Public Battlegrounds G. And uh, Ninja, uh, there's just no, none better. None better than Ninja. <laughs> none better in the biz. None better our in the biz Tyler. than our friend Tyler Blevins. Uh, he, told, he told us it might be happening. Our, our mimosa brunch we had uh, back in May, we were socially distanced. He said, you know, guys, something's cooking here. I don't know if Mixer's going to be around. I was like, oh, tell me more, uh, Tyler. Tell me more. And I'll get the bill this time. So um, <laughs> he signed a multi-year contract with the platform. Uh, this is a statement. <clears throat> I'm excited to get back to streaming full time and connecting with my loyal fan base. That, I, I'm I, one uh, of them. Uh, uh, just said in a statement. I really took my time to decide which platform was best. No, you didn't. Out of the two that were remaining. I mean, of and, course you and, did. And Twitch was has been supportive throughout this process and understanding my overall career goals. Uh, so understanding that he decided to leave before. Uh, anyway, in this next chapter. I'm going to make it a point to elevate and bring more eyes to underrepresented creators. 
I'm looking forward to working with Twitch to demonstrate how this amazing community of gamers can make a meaningful statement. In all seriousness, Ninja, um, your, your loyal fan base, from it sounds like a, a lot of them didn't follow him over to Mixer. To be, and that was one of the, one of the problems, is that right. you know, uh, Microsoft's like, we spent all this money on this guy, and it's not really working out, because people don't want to lead the platform. So... And they signed, what, four or five other people. And it went belly up in less than a year, like seven, eight months. It was like, this is not working out. So this whole next chapter thing is funny because now, like, sports people do it. Like, you know, athletes, like, the next chapter in my life. Like, it's a whole story your life. You just go in and get paid. Like, let's. It's a job, let's man. Just, let's just be honest about it. Yeah. It's. I mean. It's a job. If, it, if, if Twitch was, was working with you that well, you wouldn't have left. You wanted to get paid. I don't blame you for taking the taking No, that's the money. fine. It's but I'm just tired of, of people like lifting these people up to other than what they are. It's like, yeah, you can do cool stuff. You can, you know, raise money for charity. You could uh, hopefully work with underrepresented streamers somehow. Um, but you're taking it's, it's the money, man. Take yeah. the money for playing a fucking video game. I'm, that's fine. Do it. Take the money and go. Just don't go on. With this, this, Take the money this, and run. This woo, floofy. Woo, woo. This, this floofy. Let's language. not make it out to be anything uh, better than what it is. That that's all, right? I mean, God, you, you, you given given ten percent of your of your take to, to Drake every day because you should because that's that's the reason why he blew up. The only reason I heard of him, you know. Anyway, oh man. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. There's three left. You got you got YouTube Gaming left, which most people don't use or respect for whatever reason because the interface isn't that good. Uh, YouTube Gaming Facebook. left. Facebook, which which is a thing, but I don't. It's like, I guess the boomer streaming network. I guess at this point, I don't know anyone. And then you got uh, Twitch. So so really, it's Twitch and YouTube. Facebook doesn't really count, as far as I know. I don't even know where to access Facebook Gaming. Like I don't even know if it's a website. I guess it's just like oh, if someone streams are on Facebook Gaming, it's not a competitor. Facebook gaming. Yeah, I have no idea. Facebook should just focus on what they're used to, messing up meddling in election stuff and, and fake news posts and things like that. Make their money that way. And, and stay away stay away from gaming. <laughs> so uh, the folks over at uh, Retrobit have got a uh, new set of um, reissued shooters coming out. So Retrobit, we've talked about them on here before. Lots of companies. We talked about I Am 8-Bit previously uh, this month or last month. A lot of companies come out. They're, they're acquiring the licenses to games and doing official um, reprints of games. Um, Retrobit has done uh, a handful. Um, they've done an R-Type uh, set for the Super Nintendo that had R-Type 3 and Super R-Type on it. They've Metal Storm. They've done Metal Storm. They did uh, Holy Diver. Oh, that's right. Um, and they put them out in nice sets uh, with the um, with the uh, Metal Storm one. There was the limited edition set that I believe was seventy, uh, and then the standard release set that was forty five. Um, and they're always high quality. Uh, I do like the retro bit ones. The price point is really nice. Good and, value. Yeah, and what you get is you, there's always some sort of cool little um, freebie or trinket in there, whether it's Feely. stickers or a pin. Um, yeah, or like uh, with the Metal Storm one, they did a little uh, figurine of the gunner. So Toaplan is a was a was a developer. Um, they were known for shooters. Um, they have four very popular ones on the Genesis. At least one is very well known: Truxton, which goes for a lot of money, uh, Hellfire, Fire Shark, and Zero Wing. Zero Wing was never officially Hellfire. released over here in the U.S., but it's very well known. All your base. It's, it's exactly belong to somebody. 
Thanks, right. Steven. The the uh the the uh the uh genesis of that meme started there. That was not no Get pun it? no pun was actually intended, but I couldn't think of the right word. Um Oh, how's Hellfire? You play- I never played that one. So Hellfire is great. I like Hellfire oh. S on uh, the PC Engine. I have that one. So Hellfire and Zero Wing are horizontally scrolling shooters. Fire Shark and Truxton are vertically scrolling. I really like Fire Shark. Um, Truxton, uh, I I don't have the money for an actual like uh, Truxton, but I've played the flash cartridge. How much is that going for nowadays? It's like Three hundred. I think. Are you serious? Yes, Truxton's always been expensive, but now it's very. I thought expensive. it used to be like a sixty dollars game. Mm-mm. It used to be like a hundred complete, and then I think it jumped up. Oh man, I got mine at the swap meet. Oh, lucky me, um, like five six years ago. So yeah, Retrobit is releasing all four of these as a Toa Plan set. Uh, you can get each one individually for forty four ninety nine. They come with uh, each one comes with like some sort of interview or behind the scenes like uh, like uh, document on like so they're they're talking about the music and Truxton. Um, Talk in a little fold out. Yeah, thing? there's like a little fold out interview for each. Oh. Uh, for each I was one. thinking, what do you mean? Like on the Genesis card, there's an interview in like 240. No, there's like a little book, like a printout. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's like a book. Uh, they come with puffy stickers as well. Oh, old school puffy stickers. I like ladies? puffy stickers. And oh. you can get all four of these together for $159.99. And they come in a. It is a value. They come in a. Uh, it comes in a nice slip case, like you would see, like an old like VHS, like a like a season of something on VHS. It kind of looks. So it was like. one fifty for all four. I think it's one fifty nine for all four. So so Pat, man, if you're saving like twenty bucks, that's pretty good. Yeah, thereabouts. Um, all four of them. And I know I've yeah I know I've sounded harsh. Reversible on... cover cartridge case. It, like like the raincoat. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, that's interesting. I never, no one's ever done that before. They have that reversible cover. That's a pretty cool idea to do that. Why not? For a Genesis game. Yeah. For a Genesis game, yeah. no, but there's lots of games with reversible cover art. That's a huge thing. Oh, is it? Massive. Like, thing. like a Switch thing? So can... many games oh. have reversible Well, screw me, Pat. You don't know what the fuck you're talking <laughs> tons about. Tons and tons of games. All right. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, I think this is a really good set. Uh, I know that I can be a little picky sometimes about these re-releases, but like I said, Retrobit has, in the past, uh, always impressed me, and it's a good price for what you're getting. And um, these are actually, like, hard-to-find games, so you can get an official Truxton for 45 Let's now. see what Hellfire goes for on eBay. Now I'm, now I'm curious, since I don't, I never heard of this game. Hellfire Loose on the Genesis, I think, is probably like 60, 70. Complete 85 by it now. So that's not as bad. No. But these are all, I guess they didn't... Do I have this one, too? The, 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 the art looks familiar on it. Then there's, like, a lot of Genesis shooters that had the art like that. I definitely have Truxton. I know that, because when I found it, I was like, wow, Truxton. I had heard of it at the time. And I found it at the swap meet. I think with a couple other shooters. That's right. I found it like three different shooters at the swap meet with that. The one with the uh, angel wings was there too. Phileas. Yes. That's when I got that. That's the Namco one. Um, anyway. All right. Also, check out our, our pals at Retrobit there. All right. Um, so, uh, uh, Charles Barkley, who's hysterical on Inside the NBA with Shaq, Ernie, uh, Ernie Johnson, and Kenny that do the TNT NBA game. It's the fucking funniest sports show ever. That's why they win Emmys, because it's so laid back, and they yell at each other, and they say things they probably shouldn't and get in trouble sometimes. And But they're a good analyst. So Barkley came out recently, and he said uh, he won't be in NBA 2K until older players get paid. Um, so I didn't realize this at the time that Barkley has not been in these, these recent NBA 2 games. I had no idea. Yeah, and apparently um, this has always been his reasoning. It's just recently he did a video, I guess, with... Um 
did like a little interview. Yeah, for like a kid's account. and it, Oh, it was it, a kid's account? Yeah, oh. it, it picked up traction um, from there. So what, what Charles Barkley says is, give the old retired players $1 million and I'll be in the video game. Barkley says, they piss me off every year. They call me every year and say, have you changed your mind? Um, he did an interview. This was like a, like literally a kid's channel. Yeah. That, like just randomly. He did this interview and it blew up. Yeah. Good for you, Barkley. There's no, he's just doing a random interview with, with this kid. It's literally like, oh, it's like a 10-year-old kid. That's awesome. But um, And then he, he, he clarifies. Um, he says, I'm not talking about old retired players like me. There's this misconception, though, that everyone's been making a gazillion dollars. There's players older than me who didn't make any money. Those are the guys. They're older and probably need the money. So that's why I'm not in the game. It's a, that's a good... St- I, 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 I stand by Chuck saying that. That's a, that's a, a good stance. And I, I understand what he's saying. It's not that he needs the money, but there's not every basketball player was a superstar. Not every basketball player, um, you know, made the money off of endorsements that him... And there weren't huge contracts. Right, exactly. That him and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and all them made. And this article on Kotaku um, by Luke Plunkett does go into some of, like, you think, you know, now you might think, oh, well, even the smallest contract is getting you a lot of money. Well, these days, yes. It says in the article that 893000 was the smallest was that was the lowest paid NBA player last year. But that wasn't always the case. In the 85 to 86 season, uh, the smallest salary for an NBA player was 70K. So about... 170,000 today. That's not small money, but that's not that's not what people you think can't, of. You can't when retire they, on that. Right, you can't retire forever. on that. People don't um, that's that's not what people think of when they think superstar money. Sure. Um so yeah, I I don't know. I it's, it's good of Chuck and he doesn't need to be in these games. Yeah, the, the, the most of the sports contracts didn't blow up until the 90s. Uh as far as I know, a lot of the league minimums were really low. Uh for, especially for baseball, I know that um was low. Um, and then uh, hockey wasn't as popular as the other ones, so it wasn't until the '90s where like things really started player, you know, more player uh, shares of like revenue started to come. As far as I know, uh, that's when it started to happen more. Um, so I'm not sure how this works. They have to reach out for every, to every individual player to say if even if you're on like the team, say like a team is featured from the early '80s, and say, "Oh, we need your permission for your your likeness." I guess so. I don't know how that works, but he doesn't want to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, uh- and reading further into like some of the comments, I usually like to see the first couple comments on Kotaku articles. Um, There's actually someone talking about how uh, Charles Barkley actually goes into how he's kind of been like this always. Uh, they talk about how he's a big tipper. Apparently, he's got a quote saying, the reason I tip so much is people who normally work in those fields, they survive on tips. Me giving them some extra money is going to have zero effect on my life, but it might have a huge effect upon theirs. So, Good for him. Um, yeah, Charles Barkley is not without his moments in history where he hasn't come across the greatest, but uh, it seems like you know his heart is in the right place. Uh, at least here, um, as someone who did the ser- who worked in the service industry, um, restaurants in particular, for uh, twelve years, more than that, as a bartender, a server, uh, it always warms my heart to know that there are celebrities out there who realize that they are in a position to um, really change not someone's day, but possibly month or oh yeah, even year with that 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 tip. You see the one, it was like, actually it was more than one from Peyton Manning where it was like a thousand dollar tip or something yeah. for like a party. And it's like, I don't, I feel kind of weird about people publicly 
disclosing that because it's kind of weird to do that. Yeah, because, I do too. Like, but, if, I, if I were to ever get like a very big tip like that, sure, I would tell everyone I was working with and I'd buy everyone drinks and shit like that, but I'm not going to go online and talk about it. that person. Yeah. That person did me a solid and I'm sure that the attention they get from it is not negative, but that's sort of, that's the sort of thing like if, if I was in that position to leave a tip like that, I, I would prefer it was a private because now I'm an athlete now if I don't leave a, a, an insane tip I'm going to be ashamed if I don't like that's what I would think I'd be like oh okay I'll leave like 25% yeah what if I'm um, grabbing some oh, burgers and dogs and I, 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 I gotta leave you a $500 tip now I didn't bring a card with me and all I got <laughs> is my cash and I don't leave a tip yeah. I don't want to be that asshole you know? yeah because that's happened too but this, oh, there's some Scotty Pippen slander on here which I'm always for as a Knicks fan um, uh, no tipping Pippen no tipping Pippen <laughs> no tipping in, in NBA circles that's some some Pippen slander right there <laughs> Well, I know Pippen, though, I think he had money issues, um, and then he got screwed out of a contract. That was part of the documentary, but still, you got to tip, Scotty. Come on. You're, yeah. you're an NBA buddy. You got that uh, British Knights endorsement, whatever the hell Pippen had, whatever shoes Pippen had. <laughs> I actually forget what Pippen had. I don't know that. And then, I know Ewing had Converse, because at that point, almost no one had Converse anymore. And Ewing was like, oh, I'm not buying Converse sneakers. Ewing had Converse, and Larry Johnson uh, had Converse. I know, because I had Larry Johnson's Converse. Did I, you really? Yes, I did. Because Converse were the NBA shoes up until yep. Nike with Jordan came in and fucking wiped them out by the late 80s, early 90s. Like, it was Converse. You know, good old Larry Bird and, and the old Chuck Taylors uh, that he used to wear. I don't know. You know, you had, you know why, Bird, you had back pain? Because you didn't have any cushion support in the shoes you wore. <laughs> yeah. You, you had those awful non-cushioned sneakers. I mean, that could be a reason why. But then Chuck Taylors, that was the canvas ones, right? The ones going back yes. to like the 50s? Mm-hmm. He, he wore those. Yeah. Lots of best L- Larry players Bird. did. There's no, there's no arch support on those. <laughs> You're jumping up eight feet in the air. I'm sorry. We're getting off beaten track here. Uh, check out Inside the NBA. Even if you're not a, even if you're not an NBA fan, it's entertaining to watch those four go at it, and they have the little memes, and people want they respond to the people on Twitter with the little gifs and everything. It is. It's it's, 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 it's four cranky old men. They're not all cranky old. Yeah. Ernie's pretty nice. <laughs> I mean, sure, but and yeah. Kenny's really smart. Kenny should be probably coaching somewhere. And Shaq and Barkley end up yelling at each other all the time. And Shaq's like, you don't got any rings. Count the rings. <laughs> and Barkley will tell them to, to shut up. And they make fun of each other's clothes. It's just, it's funny. It's a funny show. Yep. I enjoy uh, it. Um, so CNA and GameSpot uh, are, are sold through their, uh, they've been sold through their uh, parent company, Viacom CBS. They reached a deal to sell CNET for $500 million to a marketing firm called Red Ventures. Um, this was announced on Monday, and this is going to go through, I, th- I guess, by the end of the year. Um, under the deal, CNET Media Group, EVP and GM Mark Larkin, along with the unit's senior execs, will remain with Red Ventures following the acquisition. Um, expected to close fourth quarter. Uh, CNET Media Group has 980 employees, and our, and our plan is to grow CNET in ways unforeseen, a Red Ventures rep told Variety. She, she declined to address whether the company anticipates any layoffs following the deal deal closes saying that right now we're focusing on how we grow there'll be layoffs there's always layoffs with acquisitions yeah i mean i i I always say that not to be a downer but you always reassess okay who do we want gone who we want to replace people that's what always happens when there's an acquisition uh cbs acquired cnet in 2008 for 1.8 billion dollars wow and they're getting out of it now so i guess maybe they made their money maybe they didn't they want to get out i don't know they don't want to be in the business anymore uh, I had no idea that GameSpot was under the CNET uh, banner, technically. I had no clue. Uh, so, 
hopefully it doesn't mean uh, GameSpot goes bye-bye, being that we don't have many, you know, big gaming news sites left. IGN, GameSpot. Polygon. Polygon, if you count, if you count Kotaku. Uh, you know, they're kind of... You have to. I mean, they're... It's a big one. I mean, you can like it or not like it, but they're they're there. Um, I think that's you know one of the big four. Um, but yeah, it, it, the the day of the old um, you know big super site is is over. You know where each system had kind of its own little section, and you know I um, journalists hired for each section. Yeah, you don't really see anything like the IGN or the GameSpots anymore. Sure. So. Um, I guess we'll see what happens next year, but I have a feeling it's going to be, well, they just slashed like a third of the employees. Uh, for that. I, and I have no idea. I guess CNET is, does good numbers still. At this point, it's got to be, I hate to say, say a boomer audience. It has to be what CNET is at this point. It has to be, because CNET's been around since, what, the early 90s? Oh, yeah. Um, no, I, 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 CNET, I don't think CNET's getting any new... They're not getting young blood. Right. They're not, they're, they're I, not getting new readers. It's for people that bought their Gateway and Dells in the 90s. Oh, how do I? Oh, what, what's what's this zip file thing I have to download? And they get the forty-year-olds then who are now seventy-five-year-olds now or sixty-five. Like that's kind of depressing to think about. But that's they pretty much probably grew up with that. Uh, but CNET is weird because when you look at they have one point seven million followers on Twitter, but when you look at their tweets, there's like no interaction to nearly match how many followers they have. Sure. So you wonder, well, what the hell is? Are people just trying to actually get news? From it, I, I I don't know how you you value this stuff, but I just noticed that because it's like okay because I never I never fo- see CNET tweets ever I don't follow it, but it's like oh here's well, here's the Apple Watch and it's like oh it's got three hundred forty nine likes but they have one point seven million followers it's just it's really low compared to that uh, so maybe it is just something of a bygone era that's sort of just stay, hanging around I don't know like they don't cover gaming stuff I I don't think that gets noticed it's just yeah it's just tech and computer crap yeah. You know, as I see that, I see USB C trending for some reason. Um, oh, is this because the Apple news is coming out? I guess that's why. Oh, we get our Apple news. Oh, that's right. It's September. Oh, great! The new iPod Air uh, stuff. Cool. iPod Air. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I can't keep track of it. But it's going to use USB C, which is why it's trending. It's going to cost six hundred dollars. The iPod Air. I guess that means uh, that um, you you put songs on it through the air. I guess. Like with with AirDrop, I guess, that's what I'm guessing. That's yes. what I'm guessing. I still don't have an iPad. I feel I should at this point. Now they're finally reasonably priced after ten years. It's been for like ten, eleven years. The iPad already. It's been because you know how I know that Modern Family uh, season one or two. He gets Phil gets one for his birthday. He's excited. How modern is Modern Family? Two thousand nine. Oh, okay. It finally went off the air last year after like ten, eleven years. I didn't watch the last couple of seasons. It still was pretty good, but after ten years of a, of a you know, sitcoms like, come on, let's just end it. Right. I mean, let's just, let's just, the kids are now out of college. You know, like they started at like 11. Now they're like 25. Uh, the kids, uh, God bless Ed O'Neill though on that show. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to add to that. I just think it's, uh, you know, uh, things are radically different from even 10 years ago when it comes to game journalism, radically different 10 years from now. I don't think it'll, it'll even be close to what it was before. It'll all be influencers and zoomers. I guess taking over the world, Zoomers and uh, and us X X Lennials like me, or we're going to be lost in the dust there. Ian, yes, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. The game is is coming back. It's exciting news. It is. Um, so Scott Pilgrim, the uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the famous comic by uh, Brian Lee O'Malley that 
kind of permeated pop culture everywhere um, in the, uh, let's say probably around 2010. Late aughts, early... Yeah, late aughts, early <laughs> early teens. teens. Um, got a very, very nicely done uh, beat-em-up um, in 2014. Uh, well, that was, that was I think, when it was pulled. Um, and it was... Uh, it had pixel art style. Um, Anamanaguchi did the uh, soundtrack. Um, it's a great soundtrack. Um, and it was a well-loved game. It was, uh, you know, like I said, a very well-done beat-em-up with a great style. Uh, it played a little bit like River City Ransom, um, which, of course, the, the, the comic itself actually referenced, uh, you know, a lot of the comic referenced tons of video games. Um, but it was kind of the... The game was always kind of the poster child for why digital-only distribution is bad because it was pulled off the um, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 stores in, I believe it was the holiday season of 2014. Um, and not only does Scott Pilgrim itself, the comic, uh, have a big fan base, so does the movie, um, and the fans are uh, rabid for for this sort of stuff. But this was one of those weird instances where a game that was actually good and actually linked to a popular property came out, received um, glowing critical praise, Mm -hmm. and uh, disappeared shortly after it was released, uh, including the DLC. Well, let's see. Well, it had a four-year life. uh, Came out around the same time as a movie in summer of 2010. Um, let's see, August 10th, PlayStation Network and Xbox Live Arcade August 25th met with mostly positive reviews. I remember the time I never saw Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I, I did say, oh, this was very interesting because it looks very stylized. Oh, it has obviously comic book and video game elements out the wazoo. And this was, 2010 was was still that weird time for, you know, uh, geek-centric things and video game um, sort of centric things getting into the mainstream where it wasn't hugely hugely mainstream yet. It was still like on that weird cusp to me. And Scott P- Pilgrim helped like blow it up. Comic-Con was starting to blow up at 2010. It wasn't at quite the fever pitch it is now. It was starting to rise. You know what I mean? Like um, Walking Dead was getting really popular. You know, so it was that weird time 10 years ago, which seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, and that's why I remember about it. I was almost surprised about how how much uh, press the the game got and the, especially the movie did at the time. Yeah. yeah, it was right there at the turning point, I think, for geek culture, where that sort of stuff became um, mainstream. So, like you said, it 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 it, it was it, it it its release and its popularity were positioned perfectly uh, for that. So, uh, Ubisoft did their um, their I don't know. Here's what the fuck's coming out soon. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that is that the name? The I I don't care. I, I I don't know what it's called, but that's that. Yes, that, I mean that's that's what the event was for. Their fandom, the Ubisoft fandom. Yeah, their fan thing. Um, so uh, they announced their usual games, which I'm I'm just not going to get into. Uh, but they did finally announce Scott Pilgrim. So it was a this I think has been something that I think not, people have wanted this ever since they took it off the store. Um. However, in the past year, Brian Lee O'Malley and Ubisoft have had brief exchanges on Twitter, um, and he has posted things, uh, the author, um, 
that kind of led people to believe that maybe there were some talks going on to get this republished. Obviously, it was, you know, uh, with licensing and things like that, it gets to be a very sort of uh, difficult dance. And I I, I used to know more about some of the particulars that made this um, made this release so uh, fraught, but I can't I can't remember them anymore. All, all but at, at the end of the day, it no longer matters. It's getting um, re released. So now the question is, uh, it's it's coming out this holiday season. Um, it's going to have the uh, uh, the DLC packs included. That's Knives Chow and uh, what the fuck is his name? Wallace. I can't remember his last name. Um, but they're two DLC characters. Uh, Wallace Wells. Um. So it will have everything. Uh, I don't think there's any word on pricing yet. Um, I'm going to guess that it's probably going to be twenty nine or nineteen ninety nine, and uh, this, of course, leads to a lot of people wondering: Well, are we going to get a physical edition? And I think that's really key here with a game that like I said has become kind of the icon of what happens when you release a game digitally only even if it's well loved and part of a popular uh, franchise or part of a popular property um, these things can go away so I think having a physical release is going to be very important here I've seen a lot of people asking for um, limited run to do it which is funny because limited run would do a great version they they always release um you know uh, especially they they do like nice collectors editions but um this is ubisoft and i think people think of they think limited run because they see a game with sprite art they see like an indie style game and they think oh those are the guys who make sure physical copies of these games come out sure but this is a big company but this yeah. is a big company and honestly uh, like limited run has really they're not so limited anymore but i would want this game to get a wide release there's a proper release where i can go to best buy and get it or yeah. or online from target let me or, let me yeah. get this anywhere. Um, so uh, yeah, I, hopefully we'll get word on that. And that doesn't mean that you know some of these companies like Limited Run couldn't be necessarily tapped for like a special edition or something like that. But Ubisoft's got the power to put this out on physical. They, they, they got the bucks. Yeah, they've, they've they don't got, need, they don't need a Limited Run to help them. Right, exactly. They're, they're, uh, limited Run to them is an ant. Like they, they don't they don't need a smaller company to help them. I mean, it is what it is. They can put out whatever games they want. I, I, I just wonder what the thought process was. What, how, how did the momentum build from decide? Oh, we should really put this back out again. Like, you know, we we, we crunched the numbers, and you know, we got to give uh, you know money to maybe. I'm, I'm guessing, obviously, you know, that there's rights tied up with the, with the movie production company, and maybe with the, the comic book company. Like, maybe that's why it was complicated. Um, but they they ran a number and said, okay, this is this is the time. Maybe maybe with the the minor resurgence of beat 'em ups happening right now, the past few years, maybe that's what helped it a little bit. Yeah. Like uh, we were talking about stuff uh, the other day, and I, I, I noticed that yeah, beat 'em ups are are definitely kind of having a a, a, a quality year between um, releases like uh, River City Girls, which was um, great, um, Streets of Rage Four, which at this point is still my game of the year. I mean, I I haven't I haven't fallen in love with a game that I did not think I was going to like as much as. Streets of Rage 4. That game consumed me for um, multiple weeks, and I've been getting the itch to go back to it. Um, I've heard very mixed things on the Battletoads uh, game, but that got released, um, and now we're getting the re-release of this. You also had Jay and Silent Bob's Mall Brawl. Yeah, um, well, the NES one, but the, but the the modern one isn't even out yet. 
from Interrobang. That's still on the way. Okay, so yeah, I so like the, it. So th- there's properties attached to these that are of importance, which helps. But overall, it seems like there is a market to be f- that needs to be fed for for some beat 'em ups. That was that, that wasn't being fed before in the past. Yeah, I, past and I, year. I, th- I think especially with some of the the very well made ones like the first two I mentioned, I think people are re- kind of re experiencing what makes beat 'em ups fun, learning how the enemies and all the AI patterns tick and stuff like that. And yeah, like I yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's a good time to be a fan of beat 'em ups because in the early two thousand tens, we'll just say I don't remember there being a huge demand for it and there was like some re-releases you know we had like the x-men arcade game was re-released on on um it was xbox live oh yeah um, and i forgot to mention also the capcom um beat em up collection came out this top, year that was last year was it? Question. oh yeah that was at least a year ago oh yeah no it was you're right I, my t- my sense of time <laughs> yeah, i was gonna well. say uh the beat em up bundle when did that come out was that 2018 or 19 that was 18 buddy that was two years ago <laughs> almost to the day covid time <laughs> um so, but also I think part of it, to go back to your question about what was the lead up, um, that's part of it. But ever since this game got taken down, people have been asking for it, harassing Ubisoft and Brian Lee O'Malley. He made uh, a tweet that I thought was fairly funny when it was announced. Huge thank you to the fans who never shut up about the Scott Pilgrim game. Not once ever, even for one second to let me see it sleep. This game belongs to you. Now, please get out of my house. Um, so, uh, I, I don't condone pestering people but um it's one of those things where the vote i i I do think a very vocal fan base never letting up on it is part of what helped it get re-released yeah i'm surprised it says it was delisted reportedly due to an expired license i mean i can't picture a game license only being four years for a a property like that i guess i thought well that's all we need for this or it's gonna make enough no they're they're short for marvel as well like when when um when Marvel vs. Capcom 2 got put up on the 360, I think it was only a year, maybe two at max, before they pulled that down. Um, that happened a lot on Xbox Live Arcade. These licenses are very short-sighted in a lot of... And it, it, it's it's here and now, get the game out. I, I don't understand that. Why Why wouldn't you have it a little, little more open-ended in case it's a it's a sleeper hit? I just don't understand that. And you got to renegotiate, have a new deal come. I just... I don't get it. I don't get it. Um just had the deal unless they thought they were going to make different games and it has to go somewhere else i don't understand it uh four four years actually it sounds like yes yeah, 11 12 13, yeah four years for this game that was gone so this is coming out on awesome. playstation 4 xbox one switch stadia pc and i wouldn't be surprised if we see some version of it um thrown up on the playstation 5 and the xbox series x and yeah, of course whatever comes next i like i said i'm very excited to be able to play this again um i did have it on my ps3 i still do actually i think but i did i did i was not able to get the dlc packs in time um so yeah it'll be fun to play through this with Vani again i just yeah holding out hope for that announcement of a physical release i would be very surprised if there isn't a physical release if there isn't some sort of insane collector's edition um i think they'd be totally missing the mark if they didn't do that so i think it's just a matter of time before we hear about it i, w- I wonder i'm trying to think was there any other game that was close to this that got delisted or pulled that people were mad about not this level no but the marvel um, vs capcom 2 was a big one um mortal Kombat. one of the mortal Kombats was another one but you can still get that physically though 
Um, well, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 on the 360, you cannot get physically. The Mortal Kombat re-release, it was uh, like one of the classic collections you could not get physically. Um, th- these are a lot of digital-only games. Um, at least the 360 Why did they versions. come out with a physical version on the 360? Because it's Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and that was a Dreamcast game. So they said we'll just put it up for the hell of it? Yeah, they're just putting it up digitally. There's lots and lots of games that had digital-only releases. Let's see, Marvel Capcom 2, 360... So, all right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to playing it. See see what the hype is about. It's good. It's a fun 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 brawler. Ian Miller High Life. It's an unpretentious quality beer. What better way to unwind on the weekend with friends, family? You're watching the game than with refreshing Miller High Life. It has champagne like tiny bubbles, and it's accessible to all. You can celebrate the wins every day. Every day wins with Miller High Life. They can be big, they can be small, but there are moments every day that are worth celebrating. So why not do it with Miller High Life, the champagne of beers? It's a high-quality beer within everyone's reach. I know when I have friends over, or if I'm making just a small dinner, I usually put a case of Miller High Life in the fridge. Why? Because everyone likes it. Everyone enjoys Miller High Life, and it's an easy go-to beer for everyday celebrating. Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. A high-quality beer within everyone's reach. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, Ian, um, this must have tickled your your fancy quite a bit when you saw the latest uh, latest batch. Giga League 3 has been called of the Nintendo uh, Monster Leak packages. This one focused a lot on unreleased Game Boy and Game Boy uh, color titles. Yeah, this one was real exciting for me just because I, I love Game Boy. Um, it's it's kind of the only retro system besides PC Engine that I pay attention to. So it's always fun It's uh, to see um, Game Boy stuff come out. And so many of these unreleased games that came out uh, or that, that are... Um, uh, people are talking about right now from this giga leak are pretty much complete ready to go games that just got axed before they were released or in the case of some of them um never released over here but they did get released in japan uh so this was all these roms came from what i believe they call was a lot check dump um so basically it was a dump of every basically it's a compilation of every every game boy game it's everything that was released they have so so, so it's for um uh archival purposes a library basically. Yeah, a li- basically yeah at least we know nintendo was saving them right um <laughs> that's good the big one was pokemon picross uh it was canceled in 1999 it's the only pokemon game that was announced and then just outright canned Wow. Um, didn't get a Japanese release or a U.S. release. Wow. Uh, which is crazy. What a sold just on the name. It, 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 it's, it's crazy to think about it because, well, Picross has become a very popular puzzle game these days. But they did release Mario's Picross yeah. in the U.S. and in Japan, and it was a fairly popular title. I can't, even though it wasn't as well known of a puzzle game then, I can't see this not having done well. I have no, no idea why this would not have been released. You, it, w- it would have been profitable. You've already made the game. Right. So why not put it out? It's Pokemon. Yeah. It's a puzzle game. Who knows who you could have got, you know... You sell 100,000. Who cares? You still made money. Right. You, <laughs> you, you could have sold this to two uh, entirely different audiences. Yeah. Um, mm. It looks good. This is one that I, I, I definitely want to... Um, 
check out myself and play and they say basically it's 100 percent done wow um there was a mega band uh mega band mega man board game for the game boy um that never came out um that is basically done it was called rock board um it's so yeah it's a mega man board game it looks like a lot of other uh, of the other video game uh board games that were released around that time like Dice de Chocobo and stuff like that uh, my guess is it's probably some sort of spin on Monopoly uh, real estate trading stocks uh, something like that you know figured into uh, Mega Man um, also there was a um, puzzle game called Sute Hakun a first party puzzle game for the Super Famicom Satellaview uh, there was a version of that being uh, released for Game Boy Color um, this one is interesting. There was a uh, Gargoyles Quest 2. Um, so the first Gargoyles Quest came out on the Game Boy. And it came out over here on the Game Boy and in Japan on the Game Boy. And then Gargoyles Quest 2 did get a Game Boy release in Japan. But over here, it only got the US version that people know on the NES. NES, but not Game Boy here. But not Game Boy. But it's, it's the same game. Say, uh, or similar. Yeah, more or less the same okay. game. Um that did get huh. a Game Boy release in Japan, but never over here. Uh, I don't know if it was to, you know, try to make sure that the NES version sold, because I think that was not a super late release, but a later release. 92, and that's 90- a very okay. uncommon game. So, like, yeah, that by 92, they were obviously going away from the NES. I'm surprised they wouldn't release it on the Game Boy here. Um, but there was, there was an English translation, apparently in the works, basically complete, and that was another one. Wow, that's re- a biggie. That's a big one. And the other big one like that was Legend of the Sea King. So Legend of the River King is a popular uh, Natsumi uh, fishing game series. Um, and there was a spin-off title called Legend of the Sea King that focuses more on like ocean fishing. Um, that once again did get released in japan did not get released over here uh one of the releases or one of the things found in the slot check dump was a um basically complete english translation that never made it uh not not as strange necessarily as gargoyles quest i don't know that you know the market for fishing games is huge i love them but once again once this is done you have to wonder like how how bad were the prospects how bad did you think the prospects were for it to not sell it and it's not like they released legend of the river king and were like oh this did poorly and didn't release legend of the sea king because legend of the river king 2 got released over here there are multiple entries in the river king series that got released over here so maybe they figure oh we don't need this one now we got yeah you know maybe yeah yeah, exactly we don't need to flood the market with fishing games get it kind of flood water i'm i just keep doing this and i'm not even trying to Pun today. Yeah. Uh, I got excited for Gimmick Land until I didn't realize it was a Mr. Gimmick RPG with something else. Um, it's, uh, what is this? Tomato tomato Adventure? Yeah. Uh, that for Game Boy Color, that got, that, I don't know how, how done that was. I just saw that tweeted about, it, oh, it's adorable looking. Basically done, done. Um, so that was by Alpha Dream. Alpha Dream uh, no longer exists, unfortunately. We kind of talked about that briefly. Um, but they were popular and famous for doing the um, Mario and Luigi series okay. of RPGs on the portable systems. They also did uh, Hamtaro's Ham Ham Games, one of my favorite oh. Game Boy Advance games. Um that's a different developer than did their story-based games, but Ham Ham Games is like the Hamster Olympics game, and it's really good. Alpha Dream stuff is always very cute, uh, very fun, and this one looks to be no different. But there's more! We've got more. A game called Bloomland um, is on here. Come on, Ian. We didn't talk about 
Game Boy Camera Hello Kitty. No, no, we didn't. I was just... <laughs> my, my brain That's was great. already leading to my next topic, so I wanted to get those out of the way first. Yeah, there's a Game Boy uh, printer game. Uh, it's a Hello Kitty. It's called Game Boy, Hello Kitty Game Boy Camera, um, and it looks like you know you can play it, like like a simple print shop for your sure. Game Boy, and you can print the stuff out on the printer. Um, I could see why that one was maybe not released. Um, I can't imagine that anyone was really clamoring for a game that you basically need the printer for to work, since I don't think it but, was well particularly popular. So people just bought the printer when they had the camera, and that was it. That, that was that's all they needed for a little toy gimmick. So, uh, yeah, exciting stuff. Always like to see um, these. And, yeah, the, the this leak has just shown that so much stuff was... Um, oh, man. It just shows how much time is put on stuff that never sees the light of day. Oh, sure. It's wild. I mean, it happens with movies and TV shows and albums. So like, why not with video games? You know, you spend yeah. all this time making this stuff, and it's like, oh, we're, no one's going to see this. We're going we're gonna to can this thing or... You know, we'll, we'll put it on a direct-to-video somewhere in Eastern Europe. It'll never come out here. Um, man, imagine if they found one of these library dumps for another, like one of the other Nintendo systems. They found it for the NES. Holy, and found some unreleased stuff that we know that it was made that we have no, you know, we haven't seen. That would be incredible. I mean, from I mean, uh, my understanding here is that they are still working through just an absolute, just absolute a, shit ton of of data. Wow. Um, and, and I, I don't. Again, I, I mentioned this the last time we talked about this. Like, I don't know the exact nature of it, but I, I believe it's thought that this is all still coming from that one massive uh, data breach in 2018. I think so. It they got to get the, get this. They got to decipher and parse through all this data and see what's actually there, what's garbage, what's not. Yeah. So who knows? I, I mean, um, you might see the NES. You might see NES stuff. Um, uh, Frank Cifaldi said that uh, you know not not to worry that the uh, full vanilla ice game that was unreleased was included in this dump as well. So you can go out and play Rap Quest uh, on which, Game Boy. Yeah, which looks uh, looks awful, but yes, there's a vanilla ice. So game that'll come out at some point. I, I mean, yeah, they, they, the, I mean, people have been talking about that for a few years. I think there's been a playable ROM out, um, but yeah, it, it was in that dump. So uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Oh man, I gotta get into Game Boy. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I'm hoping that the Married Children NES game that was probably never made, but that was that was talked about Nintendo Power. That'll be interesting. Um, cool. And then there was also other stuff like a prototype uh, Wii Sports thingamajobber was in there. Um, then there was like images that looks like like early images of like what the Wii Mote might look like. There's there's so much stuff in here that it's 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 nuts. Like this is going over or crossing over decades mm-hmm. in game generations. So yeah, maybe you go back to the, you know, well if this if this has if this is this includes early nineties if they had that NES library thing you know we're talking about you know ninety four last NES release Wario Woods official one that maybe they would they would have that stuck in there somewhere. I'm getting my hopes up, but for someone like you that loves a Game Boy, this is like you know this is like heaven. That's like Christmas. So now you're filling all those gaps and you're getting all these translated games that you don't have to worry about you know fan hacks what have you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I, you know, I just outright said, like, I, I want to throw that Pokemon one on a flash cart and play it on my game. I, 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 you know, I'm I happy for you. Ian. I will. I'm excited. I hope you, you're this happy for me when they when they find the NES ROM dump where it's like, oh, oh, new kids on the block on the NES. <laughs> Support for the CU podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in below the waist grooming. 
That's right, the best. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. Let me tell you, Ian, we've all had little accidents here and there in the past with a straight edge. I know I have. Maybe there was some blood involved. Tissues have to cover up the carnage. Well, with the lawnmower 3.0, that those that painful memory or two will be long gone. That's right. And one of the coolest features is an LED light, so you can see where you're going. You won't have any problems like Pat described. <laughs> They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke technology, and one of my favorite things, the battery life. 90 minutes. It lasts forever. Have you ever been in the middle of a shave of any kind and had your trimmer run out of juice? I'm not going to judge. Maybe the, your hedges are a little bit more wily than others. You need that extra time. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off with free shipping with the code CUPODCAST at manscaped.com. Level up your hygiene routine with only the best manscaping tools. Again, go to manscaped.com and use code CUPODCAST for 20% off and free shipping. Your balls are going to thank you. Let's talk a little uh, game GameStop news. So... Not sure how much mileage we can get out of this, but we'll see. I thought we were actually just axing this one. But yeah, GameStop, they're closing hundreds more stores. Um, they have done poorly. They will continue to do poorly. Uh, and then they will go out of business. That's what's going to happen. Um, so GameStop is... T-D-L-L-R? T-L-R-D-R. I can't say it. <laughs> That's a TLDR. Too long, did not read. Um, yeah, TLDR. Uh, so GameStop is closing. The news is, this was from CNN, uh, GameStop is closing about 100 more stores than it originally planned with the struggling retailer warning of more closures next year. So they're going to be closing between 400 and 450 stores uh, globally. That was initially thought to be about 300. That has since uh, increased. Um, they said 320 back in March. Okay. That was before, obviously, the shutdowns really started to happen everywhere. It was about the time. And obviously, you know, things weren't looking good for them anyway with closures happening the last couple of years. But um, I, I guess with how bad things have been, obviously stores are back open a lot of places, but uh, they took a big hit for months. So uh, let's see. He said uh, The GameStop Chief Financial Officer, Jim Bell, like that nice simple name, said in the call that the closures will allow us to more efficiently and profitably service our customers. He added, there are more to do, meaning closures in 2021 as well. This is what you and I said uh, last year and earlier this year, I think, when we talked about this. Whenever they give you a number, it's always going to be worse. Yeah. It's always going to be worse. They're just they're just softening the blow for you a little bit. Right, you know, it'll be 500 or... No, it'll be six or 700, probably. Like, if they, if they say between four and 450, it'll be more than that next year. I'll, I'll confidently say that. That that the the unless unless the hardware sales are gangbusters this year the new hardware and people they'll just buying from you know buying from Amazon and Target and Best Buy and Walmart uh, I I I think I think they'll be closing a lot more I think they'll keep them open just so they can get those extra sales in next year I do too yeah. uh, but I think uh, after that they really I, I think after I mean, that, no that, that there's 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 at, at, after that there's nothing to keep them pushing at the start of like the, the it's been bad the past couple of years but we've always known that okay you've got the switch coming out now the switch is out and it's new now okay we're looking at you know the next generation of playstation and xbox systems but after that comes out what is there 
I mean, it won't even have a lot of. I mean, software. It's obviously, it's more digital every year. But yeah, I mean, Microsoft's not going to have a lot of new software to push. No, and, and and that that's going to go to what I was going to say next. Um, I don't think that this, and that's it's a different story entirely. But I don't think that the sales for these new consoles are going to be gangbusters this year anywhere, let alone for GameStop. Sure. I mean, Sony already did their thing where they. We didn't really talk about it, but they emailed out. Um, basically, you could sign up for a, a. You could join the mailing list, put your um, your PlayStation Network ID in there, and you know, based on who knows what, but um, you know, they might contact you to be first in line to pre-order the new system. So Sony's actually getting ahead of that, and I, it looks like they're you know kind of lining people up for direct sales. So skipping over the GameStop. In entirely. Well, plus because we know these these systems are going to be super expensive, they want to recoup as, as many pennies as they can on these consoles. Right. So any if if they're selling directly, if that's what they're doing, then they're going to do they're going to make more money than going through GameStop. But yeah, without all of these, you know, on Microsoft, no exclusives. Um, Sony's got some, um, but there's not a whole lot of new stuff, you know, right away for these systems. Anyways, I think it's going to be fairly slow adoption for these new systems, yes. which is only going to be to bring it back to the main topic. It's only going to be bad for GameStop this year. I don't, I really don't see these new systems, um, being much of a boon to GameStop at all. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah, if Sony is taking a hit on them, they're going to charge as much as they can to gain stop. Stop and say, oh, you're not going to make that much money on these. Like, you know, take it or leave it. Right. Um, game. Let's see. Uh, and it, this is this is interesting. I I, I I brought this up to you yesterday on the phone. Uh, second quarter online sales soared 800 uh, percent, amounting to 20 percent of its total sales. However, its revenue came in below analyst expectations and same store sales, which were affected by temporary closures because of the virus. So analysts still thought the online sales would do better than what they did. So it declined, it declined 12.7%. Sent shares down more than 10% in pre-market trading. I don't like to talk about the shares too much in GameStop because it's so wacky and what was happening when you when you hear, oh, the guy from Chewy bought some shares. That means GameStop had saved. It doesn't. Uh, all, all, all the shares means is that people have confidence in, in the company or not. That that's exa- it, it has no relation to the future. The future, it can relate, but it, has, it does not necessarily relate to the future health of a company. That's why you have booms and busts. That's why you have pets.com, you know, being valued for, you know, $100 million, then it's gone, you know, three months later. Because people realize, oh, this company isn't making money. Why is this stock so much money? I mean, so you, right. so you can't, don't listen to anyone that says, oh, the stock is up. That means GameStop is saved. It doesn't mean a, a damn thing. Because at the end of the day, you have to make money or not. Yeah. That, that's all that matters. So um, uh, let's see. So right now they have 5,100 stores. 600 fewer than than did last year. So it went down almost 10%. You lose a Pat Math, you lose 500 more uh, stores. That's at least probably, that's another 10% down. Now you're down to like 4,500. Probably by first, early first quarter next year, February, March, we'll just say. You have 4,500 stores worldwide. And then we'll see what happens then. I think it'll be the, oh, now we're going to close 1,000 stores or 2,000 stores. Like, I don't think it's going to slow. It's just going to be more and more. And I'm not saying GameStop can't survive in some capacity, but I don't know. I, I, I guess if you totally restructured the company, you kept like, like let's just say like a very small amount of stores, the most successful stores, maybe it would work. Maybe. I, 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 I've been 
thinking about it a lot, you know, in, in the differences between, you know, game stores like Luna that sell everything, um, you know, in all generations and game stores like GameStop and, you know, GameStop can't, they're not, they, they, they're not able to do the retro market. They've already proven that. Oh, we've gotten tons of topics out of that. How yeah. bad that was. Uh, they can't do it. So they're left with current generation games. And I think we're at the point where digital is overtaking the sales enough that I don't, I I don't see a future for GameStop as a standalone video game store. I don't. I, I've, I've gone over it in my head a bunch, and I literally just don't see a situation where in 10 years, 5 years, maybe even 2 years, we still have GameStop. A video game section at a place like Target is more than what we need at this point for the amount of physical sales that people are doing. You don't need one place where that's all you're getting is video games anymore. It just doesn't make sense. It's not... It's Especially with the... Re, with, with the like I said, the, the move to digital it's not a specialist enough store you just don't have enough people that are going to require the service that GameStop offers and maybe like you know they, t- they try to change it up with the user experience store that they tried remember earlier in the year they piloted that at one or two locations like that's interesting but is that really gonna gonna turn you know turn the, the dial enough to keep people get people to come back oh now you can play actually play the games at a table and buy snacks it's like that that that's cute if your business is is is, is is already doing okay. Like that's not going to turn it right, around. Right. That, that's one of those things where like that's not a bad idea, but that's something that you would have had to have been doing all along. And now people yeah. will be like, "Well, I don't buy games at GameStop anymore, but it's still where I go to play Pokemon TCG or something like that with people." But you can't just suddenly make your company that when people have all along already had local comic book stores, board game shops where they go, land centers where they go and do that. You can't introduce that now and suddenly have people think of your store as that. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic because, yeah, I'm I'm an idiot, Ian, because I'm thinking, yeah, even if there's 500 stores left, they're still going to make their money off of used games and there'll be less and less used games going forward that are physical coming in and that's how they make the profit margin. So... Yeah, that that's it's it's done. It's just how many years is going to be, and and used yeah. games is getting is with with digital. When when digital started, it was nightmarish. Like games were fifty nine ninety nine. They were full retail. They never went on sale ever, um, at all. And they didn't drop in price ever really either. So like you could go and see get a new copy of you know game X Y or Z at GameStop for maybe nineteen ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine after it had been out for a long time. But that digital copy was still always going to be fifty nine ninety nine. The online marketplace on uh, Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo systems, they've really kind of. They stuck with that kind of bullshit model for a while, but it's really changed in the past few years. Now you don't get used games, but you get your games deeply discounted all the time. Yeah, you've got summer sales where you know sixty dollars games are on sale for twenty bucks um, with you know all their DLC. You get you know your fifteen and your twenty dollars indie games going on sale for five bucks. So you don't need used games when. You're not getting any credit in return for them, which sucks. But you're being you are able. The value to, proposition is closer. But the right, exactly. It's the, not as wide as it used to be. Right. You now can at yeah. least you you will still have to pay money for these games, but you can now get them for much cheaper, far more often than you could, which has alleviated some of the yeah. problems what, people have with um, digital only. Once I saw Nintendo starting running sales, what the happened? Past few years, they started running sales every now and then. I was like, okay, if Nintendo's getting on board with this, you know, then then. This is going to be around to stay. 
Yeah, yeah. what's Nintendo? Because Nintendo you know, sales Nintendo are ways. typically Nintendo, though. I mean, it's like, oh, the $60 yeah. game is now $50.92. Yeah, they, they do a little better sometimes. <laughs> they get 20 bucks off a game three or four years old. But yeah, you know, but once Nintendo's starting to see that, okay, we got to start doing sales, they, they realize that they have to compete as well. And it makes sense to do that. So uh, yeah, I'm crazy. I don't think I think the only I think this is going to go like Toys R Us. The more I think about it, they're gonna they're gonna sell off assets. Someone's gonna get the someone's gonna get the trademark, and they're gonna reopen pop up stores and do something like that. Or maybe or maybe go how Circuit City tried to do once they went out of business and just just have an, be an online retailer under someone else's banner. Like Amazon buys them out and they have a GameStop.com, but it's really Amazon running it. Right, it's something just, like that. It's just Amazon's online game sales yes. now known as GameStop. Yes, I think that's where this is going to end up. But how it is right now, I mean, thousands of stores worldwide, or maybe in some countries it makes sense to have them, but not in the U.S., not in North America. It ain't going to make sense. Probably most of Europe, it probably won't. I mean, you you um, you know, we talk about online only stuff. In middle America, I could see there's still being a need for a handful of stores, but those are the people who have already moved to shopping by mail. So never mind. Anytime that I try to think try of to something think of it, right? positive for GameStop, I'm uh, like, eh, no. Yeah, the, 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 obviously the pandemic Pre-order hasn't ga- helped. It's hastened it, but it's happening anyway. It just right. sort of hastened it. So. You know, or just buying physical, like I said, or you just buy the physical online from Amazon. You know, when they used to do, oh, you get 10 bucks off when they were killing everyone with that. This new games. This next one is not a topic. I cannot talk about this as a standalone topic. You can't? No. Just letting you know, I was going to remove that. I thought that was just a. Oh, okay. I thought, you, I, I thought I asked you yesterday about 505 games. Okay. Yeah. Um, Give me a 30 second bl- blur on this. 505 thing. games. <laughs> I, and this is the problem. I can't even word this correctly. So basically, there's a. It's thing. ridiculous. There's a thing. This is. Yeah, this is awful. So. They did this last generation. Game makers and, and console manufacturers last generation did a thing where if you bought games on the P- PlayStation 3 or 360, lots of them had a cheap or free upgrade path so that you could get the same game on the PS5 or the Xbox One. Lazy texture folder. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, and you could uh, basically just get the, um, you know, and you would get a, an upgraded version uh, for that new system. Well, uh, Control. Uh, the very popular game that came out, I believe, last year on uh, Modern Systems um, that I actually still want to play. Um, the, uh, the is it Remedy Games? Uh, said that there would not be a way for them to upgrade certain versions of Control to uh, PlayStation 5 and Xbox One. Basically, certain versions. Basically, you would need to buy like the Digital Deluxe Edition. Um, so basically, uh, they said you cannot upgrade your PlayStation 4 copy of Control to the next-gen version unless you own the newly released Ultimate Edition. So basically, you went and bought $60 again. Then they could upgrade it, uh, meaning that players who wish to do so must buy the game all over again despite the fact that they may already own all the content this latest version contains. But the deluxe version was already silently upgraded to the Ultimate Edition over the course of today. Um, but then they were degraded... By accident. By accident. And then they were degraded back down they, again. They flipped, they, they flipped the lazy texture folder switch and upgraded the look of the game without people realizing it. 
So what this means is they had that ability all along. Uh, they just said they, they didn't did. because they're, I, I, the fact that anyone would believe that is absolutely insane. Of course they can't. There's just nothing. Swapping out textures. There's nothing wildly different between the two versions of the game. That, I mean, they, they have to be the same game for the DLC to fucking yes. pro- function on it properly. There's no reason. There's nothing special about it. Um, but they said oh the upgrade path that we are offering is only possible when upgrading from the same version of the game as we are only doing additional development on control. Ultimate Edition on next-gen platforms, we are unfortunately unable to offer an upgrade path to all existing control players. Except they did that through the day, by accident. So, when they said it is not possible, they literally meant it's not possible for you to do so because we're yeah. not going to let you, but it's absolutely possible for us to do it. Oh, we can absolutely because do it. Because he wants you to buy that ultimate version that came out. Even yeah. though the content in the ultimate version is the same as the standalone game plus the DLC, which you may have already purchased oh, separately God. for yourself. Wow. Fucking scummy. Like, it's wow, just, this is EA levels. Yeah, it, uh, it's uh, this gross. Is, um, so I guess now they're in a what you call the proverbial proverbial pickle a real pickle yes because what do you do now do you stick to your guns and piss off everyone you just give everyone for free and said oh we screwed up we were greedy either way it doesn't look good no it it doesn't look good at all um caught in the lies because they caught in the lies yeah come back i mean are they going to reword it what we meant to say was that we don't want to upgrade all versions of control because we don't get money that way we want the money just be honest be like hey we want five bucks or whatever it is. Five bucks get the well, graphic Well, I mean, upgrade. so a lot of these companies offer the free upgrades. I think EA did it for free. Like, is is, is offering, like, uh, Madden, I think, 2021 is, is a free upgrade if you get it on the PlayStation 5 and you, you have it on the PlayStation 4. Okay. Uh, but I know, like, the, you know, the Activision games... Um, like Call of Duty, they like charged. I think it was like ten bucks for the upgrade. And while I do think it should be free, just come out like, just come out and be like, hey, ten bucks if you don't have the ultimate version, or five bucks if you don't have yeah. the ultimate version. Um, get 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 out in front of it with that. Just be like, hey, we're gonna charge instead of blatantly just saying a stupid untruth and then being proven fucking wrong. They said it was not technically possible to upgrade. Oh, they did say not technically. Well, it is. Because they did it. That you did it. You did it. it was just a, you did it. I wonder I wonder if it was an inside job. How do, how does this happen by how do you push an update like that by accident? I that's I mean, so bizarre. I to could me. yeah, I mean I could see it being someone rogue being like, This is bullshit. I literally just have to hit a button. We got we got the we got the upgrade button right here. Yeah. It's a big shiny yeah. button <laughs> with a little plastic case over it so I don't hit it by accident. Make it go. Like red and stimpy, the shiny red button. That's that's hysterical. I don't remember a time like this ever happened where they did an up upgrade for free and said, Oh no, we gotta take it back and charge you for it still. Wow. There you go. That's almost a full topic yeah. out of that. All right, Ian. Yes. Heritage Auctions, our yeah. favorite video game auction website, who uh, now has their, they're almost weekly, these uh, lot of auctions, but now they, they do their monthly ones. To talk about. They do like their main monthly ones where they do comics and art and video games, where they, they, they save their heavy hitters uh, for the video games there. So they just uh, did their, it was, it, it was September... 10th through 13th, so these include their online proxy bid, so they don't have a guy at the gavel in this one, but it's online. There's a robot voice. I didn't put any proxy bids in this time. I decided not to. I was like, ah, there's nothing really that uh, that I'm really enjoying here, but they did they did their video games here. Uh, they did their video games. They did over 200 here um, this time, and uh, we'll talk about some of the highlights here uh, we'll, we'll get to, but the biggest one that went off first 
which I'll probably put as the as the thumbnail here, was the in the biggest quotes possible, the prototype Super Mario Brothers three. The WADA certified prototype. 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 Sold for with the buyer's premium thirty one thousand two hundred dollars. This went for. Do you have it open by now? You got yeah. it open there? Mm-hmm. You logged in? Um, so, um, this was one that I'd seen around before. I don't remember where, but I had This was in a cannibalized, uh, uh, rest in peace, Kid Icarus cart that was sacrificed uh, to make this prototype Super Mario Bros. 3 NES cartridge here. Um, this is shocking. This is a, a huge... Uh, I think this is the, by far the largest prototype sale I've seen on an NES game. Um, obviously, first-party games go for more uh, than third-party ones. Usually, the third-party ones traditionally went for low hundreds. Um, if it was an unreleased game, it can go for a thousand or a couple of thousand. You know, then someone buys it and puts out a legal, you know, reproduction. Yeah, you know, uh, games that's happened the past ten years. We've spoke about uh, that before. They didn't really have the rights. Um, then you have ones like you know, our, our, you know. Our pal Rue, you know, you get the Earthbound prototypes. Like they, maybe they go for like ten, you know, fifteen thousand, you know, right. something like that. Um, so and, and you keep it in a busted up a, a Jaws a box for some reason. Anyway, um, <laughs> it was a Dragon Warrior or a Jaws. Anyway, uh, it was weird. Anyway, so um, so we've seen big sales before, but they were usually these like strange, sort of obscure things. But what's was was weird about this is that not just the price. But the fact that you, you cannot, with a straight face, call this an actual prototype. Th- that's what so is so weird about this sale, is that it's built up to be this significant prototype. But this is the final version of a game that was just put on an NES cart. They mocked it up and, and put it up for as a sample, basically. Um, so you, you stretch the definition of the word prototype to such an ex- extreme degree that it loses all meaning just to sell and hype the product. And I've seen this happen before. It happened on Nintendo Age in the past, and when I called out, they would come at me, my favorite now defunct website, Nintendo Age, when there was the Legend of Zelda, they called it Prototype. But it wasn't the Prototype. It was, it was, it was a sample cartridge so what in I'm, a gold shell. Right. What I'm, uh, my understanding is that, you know, the, these are... It's essentially, these are like... Um, I think that's. I think this is kind of how the Sim City was found. But sometimes these cartridges get sent out to. Um, well, Sim City is journalists, a but yes, they're basically or reviewers. They're, they're assembled like prototypes. They have the interchangeable ROMs, but sure. they are. It's the final release code. Sure. Um, you can call them uh, test samples or game samples. I like to call them. They're samples. We sure. mock up a sample. It's it's a it's a demo sample. Like this is the product, but we're going to send it out. So because when you when you think about it, Ian, and we think about Legend of Zelda, it's like well, the real prototype would have been on a Japanese you know Famicom cart. Like that's sure. what it would have been. The Legend of Zelda prototype is it's on a disc. It's not on a cartridge. It's, they they developed it on a cartridge. Uh, excuse me, on a disc. So what? So like you have to have common sense coming come into here. So. This is a coup to the niche prototype collector realm because there's a, there was a lot of them out there and there was a few people that 
cornered the market successfully for years, which I they got mad at me for calling that out because they went and they bought up everyone they could, and, and they, they sort of, uh, you know, they, they they would set the price basically and what 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 these some of these would go for, especially for the ones that were unreleased. Uh, they would set the price because they knew, oh, I knew that you can make thousands selling, you know, three four hundred uh, three four hundred uh, copies of this, you know, uh, on Nintendo Age, a homebrew version, so I can I can charge you three grand for it. Like that's how the game went. But this is something totally different here. So um, this this uh, this became mainstream news there was a website websites picked it up nintendo life uh picked it up as well um and what i would say is that um the person that invested in this i i was just say i think they got taken for a ride and they probably were not familiar with this market uh to begin with or what they were actually buying i i think this they were a victim of seeing this and be like oh my god this is something without realizing that the prototype market is so niche and weird and small when it comes to these. You do not have a lot of people to begin with that that go for these prototypes, and they're, they they are they do, they do not have the wide stream appeal as other products do and other other right. items in game collecting. They just don't. Um, I mean, there, there isn't enough of them to go around to begin with, but they're they're, they're obscurities. Like how you hear about you know you have collectibles and you have obscurities. You have things that were not mass produced do not have an inherent appeal to someone because they were not something you had. They were just, they're, they're one-offs, literally, in this case. Or maybe there's a couple more of these out there. Who knows? Uh, these ones that were mocked up. So I, th- I think this person took a bath on this on this uh, purchase. Uh, and this will cause them more prototypes to come up of this probably caliber. And they're going to go for a lot of money now because someone said, well, Super Mario Bros. 3 is 31000 This sort of sets the, the bar, so to right. speak. <clears throat> it's crazy. No, no other thoughts? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't. No. <laughs> I, I just... Because there, there have been other prototypes that come up, but this is a big one here. But there was other weird things that came up for auction as well, Ian. Uh, any other ones stick out to you you find strange or, or fascinating or like what the hell just happened here? I'm just looking... You know, as we always talk about, it's interesting right now because some of the genuinely hard-to-find rarities on the NES... Uh, you're going for a lot lower. Going for a lot lower than I would think. Um, Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project, is not incredibly rare, but it's not easy to come by either, and that went for... I can't believe I'm even saying this at this point, but only went for 6600 Um you know, rated 8.5 that, you know, that's, that's still a lot of money to make. It's, it is. A it's a lot of money. But then uh, you look at something like the Super Mario Brothers 2 that went for 21,000. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just I'm not saying that it's not a lot of money, but I'm saying even in this hyper inflated market, it's funny to me to see the more expi- the far more common games go for more money than the uncommon games. Yeah, I'm going to go from most recent sales. I'll just go down. We're going to start with my favorite, Ian, is the Atari games. Because when you look at batshit crazy, you start with the Atari games. I just I usually click most recent sales, Ian. That's, that's how it filters for me. Um, good old Spider-Man sealed. 9.8 A++. Remember this went for nine over nine thousand dollars just a few months ago. Yeah, latest one went for two thousand forty dollars, and it's a nine point eight. It's a nine point eight. This is the highest rating. So I think that's a, are, that's a very important thing to 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 say um, when you look at the, how the Spider Mans have sold in the past. They started at like the nine point eight with the nine thousand, and they went down. Not all of them were nine point eight. So you could say and in my head I was interested in seeing what additional nine point eights would go for because that's that's what you shoot for as a collector. You shoot for a nine point eight. If you think it's gonna be the highest in the in, yeah. like in the world of comics collecting, if you're if you're going for, you know, 
value and uh, shit like that. You know, the, the worth of an item. Um, you know, at least that's what I've learned from running. You always go for a 9.8. At, at the lowest, 9.6. Um, anything lower than that is... It's it, uncivilized. They, they say, well... They, well, there's too many of them out there in order right. for them to one, matter. Once you yeah. get lower than... A, and like I said, it's really kind of... As Bonnie says, it's really kind of hard 9.8, but some of them will go down 9.6. But after that, you're not you're not really dealing with the collector's market. It's not an investment grade anymore. Right. You're it's not, just a common... You're yeah, buying it yeah. to have it at home because yes. it looks nice. You're not buying it as an investment. So I wanted to see what more 9.8s would go for. Well, the, well, Here they, we go. It's, well, it's far cheaper. Yeah. Well, the last one, well, well, one month later, it went down to like halfway. It was like less than half. It was like 4,000 and change. And now it just keeps dropping and dropping. That's what I was wondering, though. Was that one also a 9.8? Yes. Oh, it was. Okay. Oh, yeah. We've had 9.8s and 9.6. There's been a 9.8 almost every month since okay. then. Um, so now, Pat Math, this has plummeted. Like, what is that? 70% in value? 75%? If you can say that? Are they, uh, so if you're still buying in at this point, why would you be buying in thinking, oh, I got a deal because the other one for almost $10,000. You're still a sucker, though, because th- th- yeah. there's more out. You're still a sucker. You're less of a sucker, but you're still a sucker. You're not the floor for this. You're not the floor. There's going to be far cheaper ones yeah. coming. You're still the sucker for buying in. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, then you, you get ones I think that are actually really cool and interesting, like Cookie Monster Munch yeah. for uh, 9.6 for $550. I just think that's cool. I don't know if it's worth that in the long run. I just think it's cool that you see something like that. It's, that's kind of be hard to find, you know, uh, a sealed. Uh, an ET went for $750. I'm actually surprised I didn't go more with a notoriety. I'm actually kind of shocked. Uh, they Me didn't too. Go that seems like the um, sort of thing that would go for way more than it yeah, should go for. an for. insane amount of money because you, you look at that and be like, well, these people don't know any better. Um, there was other ones that went for a lot. Uh, let's see. $1,000 for a Miss Pac-Man 9.6. A Miss Pac-Man, I'm sure there's a lot of those out there. Here we go. We get the NES games now. All right. Uh, NES games, our favorite, Bad News Baseball, uh, $480. My 10th anniversary video right there. Um, a lot of complete in box stuff. Your clue, clue, and complete in box only went for two forty. Ian, sorry to sorry to break the news uh, to you there. Um, let's see. I'm trying to get to the Super Mario Brothers one. Uh, a sealed Jeopardy. Uh, the Indiana collection went for nine point eight uh, nine point eight eight plus plus sealed. That's like a shipping one. Went for a thousand dollars for Super Jeopardy. That's kind of shocking. That's just going. Oh, it's a high grade. I'm going for that uh, here. Um, and there's more. Uh, you said Super Mario Brothers two went for how much? I thought it went for twenty. It went for ten. Oh, is that all for Super Mario Bros. two? Uh, Super Mario Bros. three, I think, went for a thousand. I'm trying to bring it up here and find it. Uh, how much that went for? Uh, let's see. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Uh, just complete in box. Just complete in box. It says promo copy. Uh, went for thirty one hundred dollars. Just complete in box. A sealed Mega Man three went for eighty four hundred dollars. Wow, your mappy. 9.6 A++ seal went for $1,300. Some justice there. Um, $4,000 for an Akari Warriors 2? What? What? You. What? That's kind of weird. That went more than in nice hockey. Well, it went for $1,900. It's kind of surprising to see it. Something like that. 6600 for a Final Fantasy. 9.4 on the NES. 4500 for a double dribble. Listen, everyone. I love double dribble. How I love double dribble. $4,560 for a sealed double dribble. The Rev A. 9.8? 9. 9.4. Jesus. Yeah, see, that's where um, it's like, no. <laughs> but I'm just th- saying, like, it's double dribble. I love yeah. it, but come on, man. It's double dribble. I don't love double dribble. 
that's a lot. This, see, this one's more interesting to me right here. The Commando went for $2,000. That's a lot harder to find sealed Commando. It's an earlier 86 release. Sure. Uh, and, but even to me, I said, that's Commando. Come on. Um, California Games went for 1400 Come on, man. California Games. That one can't be that hard to find sealed California Games. Come on, man. You're killing me here. Bionic Commando, 2200 Some of these are just like, like, like dartboard prices. Like They don't make any sense at all to me. Like, I'm trying to reason out some of these. Jaws went for $2,600. Uh, I wonder if that's the one that was found at the, at the prison, where, where, where I got mine. Prison um, copy. The prison copy. <laughs> that's, what, that's the first thing I thought. <laughs> it's a prison copy, Ian. Um, and there's more, but th- those are the, the major ones. Uh, Ninja Gaiden, $2,400. Pinball, $3,600. Rad Racer, later released, $2,900. $2,400 for a, a 8.0. Spy Hunter? So I guess that Turtles did go for money comparatively, and that makes sense because it's it's what I say with, with a lot of these. Anything that has, like, Turtles Star Wars comic book character on it of some sort, it, you're going to get, I think, more eyes on it from other collector's markets. Uh, $4,300 for a, a freaking Rampage. G- give me a break. Okay, here we go. Here's the Super Mario 3 ones. Here's what I'm looking for. The Left Bros, $7,800, and then the later release one. This is from the Atwood collection, which we'll get into. Meaning Tim Atwood's copies are now being thrown in here. Someone bought, sounds like, his some of his stuff. $4,500 for a Super Mario Brothers 3. Not even the first edition, if you want to say that. They made, I mean, millions of Super Mario Brothers 3. Millions of them. Yeah. I don't know if people realize this when they're bidding on these, that there's, uh, there's other ones that are still sealed around here. Um, it's just bizarre to me. To see that Ninja Turtles 9.0, uh, A plus sealed $6,600. And then there's some Zelda 2, $3,300. And then there's some, some wacky, there's some wacky Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct with the Killer Cut CD 9.8 A plus plus for $3,300. Now you really get into the path where, yeah, there's, there's a lot more of these sealed once you get to something like Killer Instinct, uh, there. Uh, anyway, and there's some, there's some Ninja Turtle ones that were surprising. Uh, Fall of the Foot Clan went for $2,600, uh, for Game Boy. The, the, the Niv Bible, only went for $456. That's one of the hardest to find games. So you see that contrast yeah, there? That's that's what I was... That was the point I was trying to make that I didn't make with the uh, Ninja Turtles. But yeah, truly... True rarities that would have been exciting to collectors five years ago are the ones going for nothing now. Well, comparatively nothing. And then you get to the absolute insane stuff like the... Not even the original. The Player's Choice Mario 64 for $5,500. Sealed Animal Crossing, 9.6, 2,700, 2,800 bucks. Well, again, once you get to the late 90s, I think you cannot you cannot gamble. Well, these people don't care. You cannot gamble on sealed copies anymore once you get to the late 90s, early 2000s. You just can't risk it because at that point, people are saving more stuff. It, there's a lot more new old stock, in my opinion, that are out there. You just can't. Like, it's just nuts to me that you would gamble that much on a player's choice copy. Yeah, where at that point they probably may mass produce too many at, at, at the end, and so that you know they're they're laying around. You know they are. It happened with the Super Nintendo Player's Choice st- stuff. Yeah, I mean people. You, I mean, when I started working at Luna, we could still get new sealed copies of F Zero in the store sure. from our distributor. I mean, that's the they one. That I, th- I think that was the, the. I think Rue has a case of like sealed F. Oh, he sold them the off. Super- he told me. Oh, did he? He sold off into this market. I think some of them, but maybe right before. But he sold the case. But okay, but he yeah. did have one at one. Yes. At one point, F Zero like Player's Choice was everywhere, and it and it wasn't 
for about 10 years, but what happened? People found them and were like, oh, we've got all these yes. fucking copies of F-Zero. We got to sell them off. So then suddenly, you know, 15 years after it was relevant, um, you know, you've suddenly got a flood of sealed player's choice copies I, of F-Zero. Again. Yeah, I, my Super Star Wars is, for a, two, seal, is for, a sealed player's choice. For two years, anyone who wanted a sealed F-Zero could have had one for a reasonable price. Yeah, so so again, if it happens for that, it can, ha- it can happen with the player's choice. It can be, you know, some distributor might have it or some collector might have bought a, a, a crate or two of them just be like, oh, I, I just want them. Like the, the, the reasoning behind people owning tons of new old stock Atari, you can make the same application to later consoles. It just might be, it's just on a smaller scale, but you can still make the application. There's no reason not to. It's the same situations that arise. Wow, yeah, I see that right now, the Animal Crossing one. That's, that's insane. Not player's choice, but still, it's Animal Crossing. It came out in... 20 years ago? 2002, less than 20 yeah. years ago. And then Mario Sunshine, and then, yeah, it's nuts. Sorry, this is nuts. God of War going for $3,300 is insane. It's insane. All right. Anything else to add? Or I mean, yeah. I, I thought it was, this would tick down a little bit, but it's for the Atari stuff. It seems to be a little bit, but for this other stuff, it's just coming up now. As it's it's, it's like the first time you see it. Oh, I got to buy it. It's the first time I saw it. I see Animal Crossing. I got to buy it. Right. Before you realize, oh, there's gonna be a, there's gonna be five hundred more out there that are sealed. All right. Uh, you want to talk about uh, Super Mario Brothers thirty fifth anniversary? I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but uh, yeah, um, it's thirty five years old. Way to go, Mario. Uh, you've made it. You're a big boy now. Uh, no. Uh, so, yes. Mar- you're a big boy now? You can run for president. You're a big boy now. He can. He can run for president. Um, so, yeah, we were just going to say, like, talk Mario stories. I, I will always remember playing Super Mario Brothers for my first time. And I know I've told this story on here before. But it uh, perfectly sums up uh, my anxiety levels and how much I also wanted to do the right thing as a child. When I saw Super Mario Brothers being played for the first time, my parents were playing it, and they hit the question mark block, and the mushroom came out, and I remember yelling in the living room, jump over the mushroom, it will kill you. Because because my parents were very, very smart and kind and taught me at a young age, don't eat random mushrooms that you see outside, you might die. And I was like, alright, well thanks. Thanks for letting me know. So I carried that over into video games, and uh, for like the first day that we had it, I, I, I played the game avoiding mushrooms and my parents did and then uh the next day my parents like you can actually touch that mushroom check this out and it makes you grow big so yeah that's my first memory of mario was him eating mushrooms Uh, super mario brothers is such a fascinating game and and we know why we we can tell the story again it's the you know landmark platformer uh that really established the genre as being a a real video game genre yeah there were a a couple but few before but they were not the complexity or richness or you know, a variety of what you could do. They didn't invite close. you into a world like Super Mario Brothers yeah, did. They're either single screen or if you want to count Jungle King as a platformer, barely. It really isn't. Um, it's more of like an action game, but it established the tropes and established the power ups and things like that. And, you know, you have an end goal and a start goal and you go at your own pace. You know, things that weren't really out there at the time. Uh, but the more I think about it, playing that for the first time, for me, it was Christmas of, uh, of you know, Christmas of 87. Um, first time I actually played it because I, I remember I don't think Kevin even Kevin did even have it because he had the deluxe set so he got the one with you know J- Jaramite and, and, and Duck Hunt and, he, and you know he had Top Gun and he had um, Top Gun and Kung Fu I remember those being the games we sort of played at the time I remember playing Gyromite but Super Mario Bros when you first play that game you're like wow look at this color it's like oh let it, let it, let it don't, don't press anything and he starts walking to the right by himself and it's like whoa that's kind of weird 
to see that. He's like kind of adventuring out. But I, I remember just being sort of uh, floored by, by that game. And again, this wasn't the first NES game I had played, but just being floored by the experience. Um, again, be, because um, when, you, when, you play, when you play a game, because you played games in the arcade that were nice quality before this. You played sure. games that looked nice. But this sort of to me, it was like the, the total package, so to speak, of a video game that that appealed to, at least to me and everyone else, because you had a, a cute little pixel little guy with what looks like a mustache. You know, he's on the cover, so the oh, he's, he's big, and they put him in they put him in the uh, you know the fireball suit for some reason in the cover. I always thought that was funny on the box art, but they did that, and I don't know. It, it was interesting that they give you so much in that game so early and of such such variety. Think about what happens. You can teach a master class on that first stage of level design. You get a power-up. You immediately can hit bricks. You do the coin hit, which is like, oh, that's kind of interesting for a video game. You hit coins. What the hell is that? You got to avoid enemies. And then you get a fire flower, and now you can attack the enemies and shoot at them. For a game like that, you were used to getting beat up as Mario and, and Donkey Kong, or you used to just avoid everything. Now you can fight back. Right. That was so cool and appealing at the time to me. I can now fight back. Not just avoid, but then you get invincibility. Like what? What invincibility? Like what is this with the star and and the and the the music changes and you start flashing. So we look back and we kind of I think take for granted how I mean we maybe most people don't how revolutionary that game is when you really sit down and look at the nuts and bolts of that game. No, I don't think anyone takes it for granted, but I I, I do think it's just something that at this point is well. You, we know it is, but we, I, you know, it's not. It, it doesn't maybe come up in discussion with with that kind of depth. The the the, the point you made about going at your own pace is something that well, with a timer, but you still go your own right. pace. Right. <laughs> well, that, what I'm getting at is, you know, yeah. yes, you still have the timer, but on, you know, it was it was very much a game designed for the home market to show off what a home console can do. Yes, you can play Super Mario Brothers in the arcade. No one really talks about playing Super Mario Brothers in the arcade. The Why? VS because version, it yeah. does not really work well as an arcade game. Yeah, there's a timer because they want you to keep going, and I think that's also kind of a holdover from arcade games. But this is not a game where you press start and you're immediately... How do I phrase this? Every sense doesn't need to be firing at once. Um, not until you get to the, probably the eighth world. Not until you get to the end. seventh, May eighth world. Yeah, you can explore. You can stop moving and not die. I mean, that's I mean that's a big thing to say about an arcade game. If you stopped moving or stopped doing something in an arcade game at you any point penalized. in time, you were penalized. Yeah. You uh, you know an enemy would attack you and you'd lose a life. You'd get you know ganged up on or beaten up. And swarm of bees stuff. coming after you while you're skateboarding and something like Double Dragon. <laughs> Swarm of bees if you take too long on something like 720. Absolutely. Um, but in Mario, yeah, there is, even with a timer, a more relaxed pace. And you do feel like it's more of a an adventure or a journey and less of a quick, uh, you know, way to kind of scratch that area of your brain. Sure. Um, it, it really does show off. This is what home consoles can do. This is why you want a home console. You can't replicate this with a quarter because this game is going to, if you've you're never played it, yeah. you're going to play it for, you know, to get all the way through it. It's, it takes you some time. Yeah, people can get through Mario in five minutes now, but... That took decades for to people hone their skills to do that. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, Mario itself, if you play through all the levels, you're playing an hour-long game. Yeah. Um, when you look at most arcade experiences, obviously they're, they're meant to take your quarters, but it's, it'd be so rare in the mid-80s to play an arcade game on one quarter for more than five, ten minutes. Right. Like, rare. Like, if you're good even, you play Robotron, you get your ass kicked pretty 
quickly with one quarter. I fucking love Robotron, but yeah. Good game, but you get your ass kicked. vicious, yeah. Yeah, you play Asteroids. Yeah, Asteroids and Space Invaders, I'm pretty good. I can get like six levels in, seven, eight levels. But then it gets ungodly hard, and, and then, you know, the, the the difficulty curve just just wipes you out on most of these games. You have to be an expert on, you know, Pac-Man to survive, you know, to get to like eight, nine stages in. Yeah, you I know? think that's one of those things that we, we kind of take for granted. That's something we do take for granted now, because there are lots of consider they're, they're, i mean uh, comparatively there are lots of people who are good at pac-man there are people who do speed runs who do high square runs but it you know i think we almost you might be mistaken to think that some of these older games were easy no they're not the people who can do that now can do that because they spent their entire life getting good at the game sure you know, just because the patterns are out there for Pac-Man doesn't mean anyone can just walk up to a Pac-Man oh, no. machine and just play it endlessly. Yeah, they're, they're in the freaking Pac-Man book that I featured in the video. It's like, yeah, it tells you about the keys and what to do, but it doesn't mean you can pull it off. Right, exactly. You have the timing and dexterity, and, you know, it, it, it's tough to do that. Um, and then, obviously, Super Mario, it, it's, it's the biggest gaming franchise. It's sort of, you know, uh, Pac-Man crawled or eight dots so Mario could run, so to speak. It sort of took that model of, we're going to merchandise this, merchandising... We'll have the TV show. We'll have them everywhere. Not cereal. To- not toys, though. Uh, cereal, though. Um, Nintendo stayed away from the toys in the, in the 80s and 90s, which is interesting. It was an interesting strategy. We want you to buy the, the games to play with, not the toys. Right. But we'll put them on folders and stickers and T-shirts and everywhere else. I'm, I have the freaking little uh, w- wallpaper little things that you can put on. See, someone gave me a bunch of cut-up ones, you know, things like that. They had the, f- the, the, the fan they had. They had every single piece of merchandise Mario, you could you can find it, even though you wouldn't think about it. Oh, they probably had that. Oh, they had the little um, stained glass little things to put in the window. They have those little you know those little guys. Yeah, they have those. Mario they have garbage cans. The swimmies over there. You know, the, yeah, the garbage. Like so, once you got to Mario, it was like okay, he obviously obviously the franchise helped considerably uh, get Nintendo uh, get video games back in North America, but obviously Nintendo stayed on top. Uh, up until the Genesis, and Genesis gave him a run for the uh, the money with with, with Sega uh, leading the way there. But um, no, I, I don't think it would have happened as easily without Super Mario Brothers. Obviously, it wouldn't because it was a packing game at, at a certain point once you hit eighty seven, and now everyone has this great five star game packed in with your console, like automatically. Like before that, packing games were, were decent, but they weren't like the, one of the best games you can get in the system. Right? You know, they were just like, oh, they're adequate. You can get Asteroids, and it's fine. Or you can get Pac-Man on the 5200. How was that version? Was that okay? Yeah, it was fine. Not with those joysticks, though. But the joysticks <laughs> suck, but the, the, the game itself was fine. But you see what I mean, though? Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it, was, it was a system seller. It was, a, it was the killer app, uh, so to speak. Well, I guess some people think that Asteroids, excuse me, Space Invaders was on Atari uh, when, when it was first packed in back then after, after combat. It was available. No, it wasn't packed in. It's right. I think it was maybe available for some versions, but um, yeah, it was, it was combat. Yeah, combat's a fine game, but it's not a, it's not a killer app uh, for sure. So, yep, that's that's Mario. Thirty fifth anniversary, zeros and fives. That's what we celebrate here on the CU podcast. Did we celebrate the thirtieth in two thousand fifteen? Probably. Think so. I celebrated my fifteenth anniversary in California yesterday. Fifteen goddamn years. I think I'm officially a Californian. So you're fourteenth of September. Yeah. Two thousand five. Yep. And I'm two thousand two thousand nine August twentieth. Remember that because it was so damn hot in New Jersey. I wanted I wanted to just roll over and die. Here's to you. It was, uh, what, September 13th in Japan? Super Mario Brothers, uh, 35th anniversary. And sometimes in late October for North America. We're not for sure. We like to go with the 18th because that's when the NES came out. Came out but 
you know, Frank Cifal did a great article a few years back about, well, it might have been a week later. We don't know. We're never going to know. They threw some in the store. It, was, it doesn't, you know, some, somewhere, somewhere in, in October there. All right. Um, we have a Patreon, Ian. We do. Patreon.com slash podcast. You go, you pay money, you get the podcast early. I do a writing. I have to hang out this week. I'm hanging well, out you, this well, week. You, well, you get the, you're hanging out this week on Sunday. Yeah. We well, get the video podcast. Video podcast. The audio podcast goes out to everyone. Audio podcast is for everyone. That, that's, a, that's a freemium right there. It's a freemium. It's a premium quality podcast accessible to all. Consi- yes. <laughs> consider the ca- consider consider Patreon the freemium version of the podcast. You can get it for free, but you get some extras. <sighs> yeah. You can recharge recharge your meter on your your mobile game easier. Uh, so we do these Patreon polls. Poll topic. We do polls every week. This week, Fall Guys. No, twelve percent. Twelve percent. What was the what was it? Some claim people try too hard to win. Does this make the game less fun? 12%. Tips for a new game store employee, 42%. Insights Pat has about how consumers thinks, think, oh, grammar think error. from his market research past, 46%. Take it away, Patricio. Oh, my, my name in Espanol. Um, so I worked at a consumer market research company. It was my second major job out of college, and then I went to healthcare after that. So I'm going to stick with consumer stuff because that's more interesting and more pertinent. And I, I worked on the operation side mostly. I, I interfaced with clients on the beginning of projects, sometimes on the end, but most of the account managers would talk to them about the results and things like that. But I did see some interesting things that that happened here and there because I did, you know, I, I did have to follow up every now and then. We did follow up. We did follow-up studies sometimes based upon previous ones. So you kind of knew what happened in right. previous ones. Um, so I'm not going to go into, into huge depth on, on how consumers think, uh, but I'll, some generalities, I guess, I could I could talk about here. And this more goes into how, uh, more importantly, how businesses think about marketing, but how consumers think. Uh, and, and maybe this is common sense, but the value of a product or the price is is absolutely the first thing consumers look at when they buy something. It's not a question. They, they, your, your eyes go to the price first, and then from there decide right. about the product. That's almost universal, at least for the stuff that we talked about. Because we did a lot of um, we did a lot what was called like price segmentation studies, um, and that's that's a sort of a complicated thing to try to explain. But a segmentation study will will analyze. They'll put things in front of a consumer, and they'll be like, okay, these this is the price of the product. These are the features of the product. How willing? How are you willing to buy this version of this, or would you buy this one of price versus these features? And it really helps uh, a company hone down. Well, how much can we sell a product at, and what features should we put into this product? Right? You have to have that knowledge w- before you put out a major product. Whether whether it's a even a food, people did it on food. Like, oh, what features do you want in this food, or what, or even what uh, marketing phrases would you would you prefer? It's to get at that sort of things. It's it's a combination of of looking at what what's the winner of price versus features, etc. Even packaging, uh, you do that. But price is pretty damn important. That's like your leader in putting out a product. And in, in most cases, that the price cannot turn people off. If you turn people off on the price, a lot of times it's hard to win them back. Even if it's if if it's if it's if there's a value to it, you you really have to lead with the price. You can't screw that up. I, I know that's common sense to a lot of people, but th- that you know. So when you when you see like uh, game consoles coming out, there's a reason why the price is so heavily focused on. There's a reason why when you talk about you know the PS3 doing so horribly at first because it was priced too high, yeah, or the Saturn was priced too high. Doesn't matter if it was technically superior or not. 
No one gives a shit. No at one all. cares. Six hundred bucks too much in the market. Four hundred versus three hundred. Uh, uh, the Saturn versus you know the PlayStation. Like these are important things. People want to uh, money. Money talks. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. That's why I think the you know the the Xbox Series that's being three hundred dollars is a huge deal. Um, if, if it's not technically as gifted as the X, uh, the fact that it's going to be like two hundred dollars less. That's that's a huge deal to most people, and hell, it might not sell the, the X because of that alone. Even if it's not technically superior, people might say, "Oh, my two hundred dollars will go a long way uh, on this uh, on this uh, one that only does fourteen forty. It doesn't do full four K, but it does in between. Who cares?" Uh, so that's that's the big winner there. Uh, is that yes, price matters the most, and it matters most by by a long shot. There, uh, I want to talk more though about how businesses may think about ideas. They want to bring the consumers because that's more interesting to me. And that's how I get more mileage out of this topic, <laughs> uh, so to speak. Um, businesses are not as, as, as wily as you think when it comes to these things. And we know that because people running businesses are not any more smarter than me or Ian or anyone listening or watching this. They're just in positions of power to run that business, whether it because they have experience in that business or they fail up, upwards. doesn't necessarily mean that you're running a company uh, that you know what you're doing long term or even medium term. So uh, we did a lot of work with Blockbuster, a lot of work with Blockbuster at the time when they were when when Netflix was just starting to really take it to them in the late 2000s with with the with the mail. Again, this is years before streaming. This is just the mail system killing them with DVDs being mailed out. And the first thing is that they they came to they came too late. They they came too late with their testing and they came too late with their with their ideas. So like Blockbuster Online was like a year and a half too late. Like sure. it, and it was over. It was over. They saw Netflix doing their thing and said, "Oh no, we're not, ha, 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 look at Netflix." And then a year and a half later, when Netflix had started to take over the rental business, they were too late. Um, they never caught up. And it wasn't like Blockbuster Online was a bad idea. It just they did not have the infrastructure built that Netflix did way ahead of them. Well, they couldn't like we were talking up. earlier about GameStop trying to do the you know uh, place where you go to play these sorts of things. You can't. You can't make up time. You can, right, exactly. You can never make up time. Too late is too late. Yeah, it, it, it happened with every business that you've seen where you're too late, you're too late. Um, look at the Zune, for example. They weren't that far behind the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, fucking iPod. Then again, the iPod was marketed a lot better, and the Zune looked like brown shit. Anyway, so that was not, not the best example. Um, but it had the same technology as, as the iPod. Um, so the other thing businesses like to do, though, is, is, is that... Uh, they, they, if they're desperate, they'll think of outlandish ideas that you know even before you look at this, this is insane. This is insane when they get desperate. Right. And not that we're seeing that with GameStop right now, but you know, trying to pivot to like this gaming experience thing, um, if that's not what your strength is, why would you do that? Um, so I, I think the, like the retro... Shifting to retro to me was a huge red flag when GameStop started doing that. Because if you if you just search for a whole different market segment to try to make up money that you have no business being in, you're never going to catch up to people know what you're doing, and and you're not experienced enough to know what you're doing anyway. So why even go in that business and sink money into that? They sunk probably a ton of money into that trying to do that. Oh yeah, and, and it it didn't. They probably never broke even on it overall. I uh, know. I I can't imagine they made. I can't imagine or, or that. maybe made a little bit of amount. So that's the other thing businesses do. So one of the weird things Blockbuster try to promote. Oh, and I'll use Blockbuster as an example because it that's it, it correlates well with like GameStop. Uh, as, um, they threw out ideas like we'll have fun centers. That's not just running movies, but we'll, you'll have 
ball pits and, and, and things that kids can do in activity centers. And when, I, when, we, when you see those ideas that you try to test with market research, you're like, oh, my God. Like, you know it's, gonna be, you know it's a bad idea. You, you know, they pay you to do the research. And, you, you know, you send out surveys and you ask people about things. And sometimes it's on telephone, but mostly online. And you, you know that once you, you reach a tipping point that you're not, you can't come back. Once you're a big business and, and you've had this this narrow vision of what your business does, once you reach a certain point where it's passed you by, you 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 it's hard to to not just pump the brakes, put it in reverse, and go back. Right. It's it's nearly impossible. Once your bureaucracy of your corporation is built up, once you're so entrenched in your in your certain model, you either have to stay ahead of it or stay with the times, or you're left behind and you slowly die. You brutally slowly die, like we're seeing with GameStop, like brutally slowly dying. And you see it coming, and you can't really stop it. But it's yeah. coming. It's are we, there. Are we, I mean, is there anyone who thinks that GameStop is actually going to turn around at some point? Or is it just a matter... I mean, I, I, I don't think that there's... It, they're beyond the point of saving. This is just a slow death for, for GameStop. Yeah, I mean, unless you fired 90% of the company and just redid re, re it from the ground up and tried to do something. But, like, the company still dies right. in its current form. So, yeah, that's that's my experience with, with my market research past. Uh, again, if, if, if I worked more on the client side, I, I'd have more to tell. Um, other thing is that, I mean, I won't, I probably shouldn't say this. I'll say it without, I won't get in trouble because they got sued for it. There was a company that grossly, I mean grossly, falsely advertised a product in the healthcare sector, I'll, I'll just say, that um, you take for granted that when businesses market research, they actually can do what they claim their product can do. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this with uh, razors. I think the, the Mach Three blade they got they got sued because they oh the electrical thing was supposed to get under your skin more. And they did the like those those uh, animatics on commercials where it lifted the hair up. Yeah, they got sued to, to shit for that class action lawsuit. Oh, did they? Oh yeah, I got a free razor in the mail like once or twice from different companies because of that. Because I they must have found out a purchase at one point or a guy. So like sometimes sometimes they're just, they're just falsely advertising as their marketing lead. I mean they are. Sure. Now, when you're doing the market research, you don't know that. You don't call your client. Is this bullshit? You just test what they're, the promo that they're testing or test what they're, oh, this is doing this or this is doing that. You don't take for granted that maybe they can't do this shit. I always thought those vibrating razors were horseshit. <laughs> I still I still have one because I used to love, oh, it feels nice, but it's probably not doing anything. And I think in the class action lawsuit, it wasn't doing anything. I think that was Gillette. Was it Gillette? It was Gillette. Class action lawsuit. It was like the Sonic Gillette or some shit. Oh yeah, they settled the the lawsuit in 2010 for 7.5 million dollars. Jeez. Gillette settles razor suit ad for 7.5 million dollars. Yeah, they sent me one in the mail. I think I still have it in the in the, in the package still. Uh, the M3 Ray Power Razor in May 2004 was touted by the company as revolutionary. According to the plaintiff's complaint, it included a battery-powered feature that caused the razor to oscillate. That's what I use. Cray went Gillette described as micropulses, which company claimed in its advertising raised hair up and away from the skin, resulting in closer shape. But the complaint alleged that independent testing demonstrated Gillette's claims were baseless and that the company knew its advertising campaign was deceptive. Indeed, Gillette's chief scientist advised Gillette's in-house legal counsel and other high-level Gillette employees that the marketing campaign was inaccurate. So there you go. This stuff happens more than you probably think. They're like, a vibrating razor? Sure. What's the benefit we can sell to people? I don't know. It moves your hair around. <laughs> it works with a toothbrush yeah. and does something. <laughs> hey, it worked with me because that's what I use for years and years Sure. on it. So there you have it, Ian. So that's what I learned. Companies will sell you bullshit. 
And that's why every year I get a thing in the mail, at least one or two postcards for a class action lawsuit uh, things. And this happens all the time. You get them in the mail. Oh, yeah. Vani gets, Vani just the other day cashed another check for like 50 cents or a dollar yeah. on something. Get $5 for something I bought 12 years ago. That happens all the time. All right. That's it for this CU podcast. This was a fun one. I, I was in a weird mood going into this. I feel better now. I do too. I didn't sleep though. I've been having weird dreams lately, more and more. Yeah, I had a real weird dream. All right, well... Oh, oh he's going to skip that one. Okay. Yeah, no, it was like a weird nightmare. No, no, gr- no gorilla in your backyard? No. Like no, I had? No gorillas in my backyard. I was a guy in a gorilla suit in my backyard. That's what it was last week. All right, well... Oh, I was a gym teacher in one recently. That was weird. That's never ha- ever happened before I was a teacher. Ew. Gym teacher. It was weird. Yeah. It was really, really strange. All right. This is the CE Podcast. Ian's got to do a writing. I got to writing. post a podcast up, and Ian's going to hang out. On Sunday. 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 All right. We'll see you all later. Bye, everyone.